Hello, welcome everyone. Hello. It's not a coincidence. <laughs> yeah, hey everyone, stepdad reporting in again. Uh, yeah, yeah, there is no such thing as a coincidence. We have Veselikov here again, taking the place of Liam this time, because Liam is trying to meet his milestone for all the hour after hour struggle that we've read a lot about the last few years that video game development is during those critical moments. But yeah, hello, welcome back. Love to have you back. It's going to be great. Yeah, hopefully we will go for a little bit shorter this time. But now I'm always happy to be on because it was uh, it was awesome having a chat last time and awesome to meet Matt this time and, and talk as well. Well, I, I can't bring the, the game development to the conversation. I'll just bring the derailing and right. uh, off-topic <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I guess to like try and keep things on the rail to see how far you can pull them apart, I'll try to go back to Coincidence Man. So for, for those who've been following the memes this hottest week, this guy does have a really interesting story behind his stuff. And he is, he is owning the character in a way that's like cute and wholesome and kind of like weirdly positive. Has he cashed out yet? I don't think he's selling NFTs at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> what he is selling is the cell phone app of, of spiritual oh. affirmations because he is of a new trend of TikTokers that is trying to willfully think a new reality into existence. It's uh it's part of a meme trend called shifting, where where Zoomer TikTokers will uh create some dream journals and, and call it scripting and then try to think their way into a parallel universe where they can interact with fictional characters at Hogwarts and stuff. And it's pretty wild. There's, a, there's another one where he looks at the camera, says the no such thing as a coincidence lie, and then says that some people might have been interacting with Aquatarians, otherwise known as mermaids. And then it just ends and plays the TikTok logo, and I'm like, wow, this guy also believes in mermaids, I guess. Okay. He's a weird guy. Oh, wow. And yet, with all due respect, he seems cool as hell and I want to hang out with him. Like, he's got a sense of humor about it, you know? Isn't all that positive, like, what is it called? Like, <laughs> affirmation stuff. Isn't that what The Secret was based on? Like, that scam yeah. book from the 2000s? And, like, they didn't they get in, like, a bunch of shit? Or, like, it sold really well, but then, like, people were like, obviously this doesn't work. And they... I mean, to some extent, like, I guess the irony of it is that it does, like, fold into mental health and ideology and stuff if you really are trying to force yourself to think more positive thoughts about what kind of nature of reality you want to be living with your life. There, there was this thing in Australia where, like, I don't know how they got it, but they got, like, you know, you have, like, corporate television where they'll do, you know, ad spots, but they'll make them look like news stories. They got paid, I guess, by The Secret to, to do something like that. and Advertorials. Yeah, yeah. Like, and, and there was this thing where, you know, they were talking about how this they made this scenario up where this guy kept editing his bank statements to say that he had, you know, he'd wear this white out and he'd add more money on the end of his bank statements. And it was this sort of thing where he said, oh, and then suddenly more money started appearing in my bank account, right? And no. there was this uh, comedy group in Australia and they got a $10 note and they just added wide out $10,000 on it. And they were like, <laughs> he didn't agree to interview us. So we offered him $10,000. So it all worked out. Yeah. Was it a coincidence or was <laughs> it the thinking his way into a more financially beneficial situation? Oh my God. I don't know if that's the way it works, but 
Yeah, I think mental health is definitely a thing. I just don't think you can just be like, you know, please, God, I want to be rich. Please, God, I want to be rich. And keep saying that. And then all of a sudden, the next day, you're like, oh, my God, I'm rich. There's piles of money around you. It does seem kind of like prayer. The idea is that there's no such thing as a coincidence because there is some sort of spiritual force controlling everything in the universe. So what was happening was he was going through a dark, depressing chapter in his life. I wonder if it was 2020 or not. And he was, you know, waving, doing the thing where you wave your arms up in the sky and are like, God, just give me a sign if things make sense in the universe. And suddenly a tree fell in front of him and his dog he was walking. And from that point on, there was no such thing as a coincidence. You know, that that really makes sense because like, wasn't the secret came out like after the global financial crisis and people needed like some kind of thing, like thing to say, like, it was not my fault. It must have been like some outward force or something yeah so I, yeah. I, I assume like that's why they were willing to sort of give it a go so like yeah you might be what you're saying there like that it you know it happened in 2020 because everything was screwed up at that point yeah people want to fill that hole all the time it's never my fault <laughs> if something weird happens when you're asking god for a sign the question i was always going to be was it just a coincidence or not but that's the question, and I think he answers it pretty well in his... Uh, oh, he knows his answer. Well, in his, in his creation engine dialogue. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> do, 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 do. <laughs> he looks like he is built to have the camera zoom into his face. Like like that guy... He, he didn't mention the woman that walked by. <laughs> and she just goes, ah! <laughs> and he just looks at her. <laughs> oh, my God. There's build up and then release because at first she goes, excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, sorry. <laughs> and then then it's just a, a yelp. <laughs> because his eyes are like little marble balls. It's, so, uh, it's got to be, you think it's contacts? Contact? I think it's contacts. Yeah. Contacts. Yeah. Like the thing that caught me off guard is that it feels like someone's like taped a ruler to his neck. And then put a phone on the end of it. Do you know what I mean? And that's why he's just so like deadpan into it. But then he like moves and that's the most jarring thing because it's like, what? <laughs> you know, how did he like... He always starts the video like this and then it goes, goes close. <laughs> like an oblivion <laughs> character. <laughs> it is. Yeah. He's doing a good job. Some, <laughs> someone needs to make an edit where the woman starts to run behind him. But when he turns around and looks at the camera, she freezes <laughs> in place. <laughs> Oh, anyways, anyway, video games. <laughs> it's a fun rabbit hole to go down. I really enjoyed that guy over the past week, and that is how pathetic my gamer cred is these days. Hey, I mean, it's better than most memes that are like basically become weird fascist propaganda in like 10 seconds. Like, I'm gonna sort of check in my hipster card here, but I listen to MGMT quite a lot and actually listened to that song Little Dark Age before it became a meme. And it's surprising mm-hmm. how quickly that one just turned into like, you know, Little Dark Age, Roman Empire, Little Dark Age, Brotherhood of Steel, Little Dark Age, Enclave, Little Dark Age, Hitler. Like, and it's just like, hmm, I'm noticing a trend here. Like, just goes more and more into like this weird, there's like the ironic ones, but then there's the ironic ones where they're taking it fully seriously and they'll be like enclave did nothing wrong it's like they're literally the antagonist of fallout like what are you anyway i just have to like like google this up because i 
the depressing depths of the internet is is something that even I apparently have not reached to the bottom of here. What's well, like, I don't know, TikTok has like made a lot of really brand new memes that are just basically, I mean, they're like the purest form of it, anyway. it's just like recontextualizing the joke or, or like rechanging how the information's passed on. Like the the little Dark Age meme is literally just, it's got the music in the background and then it's just like a slideshow of images. Like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know anymore. I just don't know. <laughs> oh boy. So what sort of video games have we been playing? <laughs> I did a regular Matt tour. I did three Good. video games. Thank God. I beat three. <laughs> hey, no need to brag. Uh. <laughs> Usually I finish games all the time, but lately I've just been busy and I haven't finished a damn thing. I've been a, a Liam and a, oh and a George. Oh my God. Well, um, the, the how long to beat pages for the games you've listed look quite, the numbers are big. Are, are they? Well, at least for the first one on the list. Oh, okay. Yeah. Phenotopia Awakening was a Flash game. Phenotopia. Yeah, that is remade huh? for consoles. Yeah, and that is like, it's like a Metrovania, it's like a Zelda mixed with like a side-strolling open world. With it like cute. every character says something. She looks cute. Yeah, it's very cute. It's actually probably one of the best best games I've played. It's pretty dope. Like, um, yeah, everything just kind of fits. It's a huge world condensed very nicely into like a few cities, and each city has like a lot going on in it, and many like different little puzzles and people to talk to that will. Let you do like side quests that are like races and stuff. Like it's just they add like these little bits in there that it's not always just combat and going to the next person to talk to. The music's good. Gameplay is pretty fun. I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing to really complain about it. It's actually one of those games where if you kind of enjoy like I they people I haven't played Zelda 2. Zelda 2 was the one that was side-strolling, right? Mm, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Side-scroller? Yeah. Yeah. Even the times are the same. Like, every time you open up a chest and stuff like that and you get something, it's like the same the same jingle. All if right. you like that type of game, yeah. Yeah, I don't know how they get away with that. I don't know if they signed a paper with Nintendo because it's on the Switch. <laughs> no. So it's not, <laughs> not. Like, I don't know how they get away with that. But, like, the sounds are definitely the same. I would say give this a try for sure. Wait, I'm looking at some of the Steam screenshots. It's like a character that literally looks like it's like a, you know, sandy blonde haired dude with like a light blue. It literally looks like Link from Breath of the Wild. Or at least I think it does. Have a look at this. You play a girl. Yeah, I know. But just like look on the right there. One of the NPCs is like, like at first I thought it might have oh, been like. Yeah, that could still be an homage territory. I don't know if that looks like a blatant ripoff. Yeah. Uh, one thing I would say is, you know, you were saying it to Metroidvania. One of the reviews on Steam is from Metroidvania Review, and they give it a 5 out of 5. So the pros of, of checking. <laughs> <laughs> I love me some Metroidvanias, and uh, this popped up, and I was like, oh, I'll give this a try. And surprisingly, it's awesome. It's really good. Did you get all the way through? All the what? All the way through the, the game. I, no, no, I no. These are all games I beat. Roll. These are all games I beat. 
Wow. So you yeah. have beat every Metroidvania now. I'm pretty sure I have. Cause, cause I this started with the good ones out. and then started going with the obscure ones. Yes. Like and, and you're you're immediately knocking it out. There's there's gonna be nothing left. Uh yeah, this probably isn't anything left. <laughs> did did you beat this in a week or did you has this been like a grind that you've I beat this probably in a week. Probably in a week. So how long to beat.com says the main story is 37 hours long. No uh, fucking way. Would you no say No way. No, I I beat that way quicker. And I got the best weapon and the best armor. Dude, all right, that's the only <laughs> that that quest was absolute shit <laughs> to get the best stuff. The the average speed run though is two and a half hours. Yeah, you can get through this game pretty quickly. There, you see all those weapons that you see on the screenshot, the last one? I didn't get all of those. It's like there's quests on top of quests on top of quests. There's so much to get here to 100% it. And that's probably why it's that high. You even have an ocarina. <laughs> that's a, it's a fluke. No way. Have you heard of that indie Metroidvania that's like sort of in development called Ghost Song? Like the appeal of that the developer's saying it's a metroidvania right and the appeal the developer's saying is he says only 50 percent of the content's going to be like like 50 percent of it's going to be completely optional like it's going to be this sort of like i think it was sort of mm. developed around the times of like you know when dark souls was at its height but it was sort of that idea that like you know you could just go around the world in any order and like only half of it you really had to like i think the whole thing is because like isn't part of the appeal of metroidvania is, is that whole like sense of discovery eh? and it's like he was kind of saying that like there would be like 50% of the game that was either like hidden or just optional. Like it could be mm. that it was like behind a wall that you couldn't see or something. Yeah. What is it called? Ghost Song. So it got Ghost picked up song. by Adult Swim Games. Like they're publishing it. Maybe type Ghost Song Game in. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I see it. Oh, wow. It looked pretty indie. This is my type of style. Really <laughs> beautiful art. Like it's all done yeah. professionally in like Photoshop and it's got that you know, pretty good style. Damn. But I think the from what I remember reading is like he, the developer started making it, I think, in Construct, which is like, you know, pretty basic game engine. And then they moved into, uh, I believe it was either Unity or Game Maker, Ooh. where, you know, like, like it, you know, could just get all these awesome particle effects going and stuff. But yeah, it's like, I remember having a couple of chats with him. It's one of those games where I think like it's sort of been in the pipeline for a couple of years now. I haven't heard much about it, so I'm not sure uh, if it's still going on. Check his Twitter. If I could say something that might segue well into that, I've been playing Skyward Sword HD. Is that a Metroidvania? Because when I've been playing it, it's like kind of has the backtracking of Metroidvanias where like when you backtrack, you've got a new item that lets you like you know, the example I'm sort of thinking of is I recently did an area and it was just like, I have now the ability to dive when I swim and also do like this dive jump and so I can get to new areas. And like, you know, regardless of Skyward Sword's problems that everyone sort of has in the collective gamer space or whatever, like, you know, like fire won't shut up or whatever. Is it a Metroidvania though? Because it's very, you know, item-based and the progression yeah. is locked behind items and you're doing like, you backtrack every now and then. The lines are definitely more blurry than I think people give them credit for. Mm. I, I'd forgotten how like linear, or not necessarily linear, but like I'd forgotten what those Zeldas felt like when I was playing it. Because that Zelda formula was the Zelda formula all the way up until Breath of the Wild, hey? And it's like 
going back and now replaying that with a game I've never played before, which is Skyward Sword. So you haven't done it before? I haven't done Skyward Sword, no. So we don't know what the quality of changes, uh, the quality of life changes would feel like then, because I haven't done it either. Like, that's the one mainline Zelda game I've stayed away from, and it's because the initial release of it just reviewed so poorly. And I think that's probably due to the motion controls at the time, which people say, like, I've read a couple of things where people said that the gyro for the, like, Switch is pretty... The like Wii it's a, Motion Plus was what they well, wanted they, you to buy. They reckon the Joy-Con gyros are about the same as the Wii Motion Plus. So I don't know if that means they're just as, you know, non-responsive or whatever, but I've just been playing in button mode, which is, like, fine. Does it make any difference whatsoever to the actual outcomes of your fights? Well, I mean, you're not, like, you know if you're... Things it feels more like you know blade mode in Metal Gear Rising. Feels like mm. you're. Do you remember that really mm-hmm. old footage of that person who was playing Metal Gear Rising? And they didn't realize you're supposed to like hack and slash them down first, and they were just trying to blade mode everything, and they didn't have <laughs> any like charge, so it was just like going whack 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 whack, and like it didn't hit hard at like, all. Like fanning in front, yeah, of, and of the enemies, yeah. So it feels a little bit like that sometimes, but I don't want to get too off track on. Matt's time of the talk, but I thought that might segue well in with just. Oh no! You just it's, it's free ball. We just go back and forth. Just go, go uh, ahead. Small talk section. Yeah. Well, okay. Uh, His thing, I think, is like, you know how uh, a lot of those like Zelda games, they always have their sort of late appreciation. Like, um, everyone like sort of since Majora's Mask and well, even Majora's Mask fell into it too. But like, everything post Operator of Time was like. Uh, why would you want to play Wind Waker? And then like a couple of years later, everyone's like, oh, Wind Waker, my favorite game. Why would you want to play Twilight Princess? Yeah, and then Twilight Princess, my, you know, four-hour video essay. And then... <laughs> <laughs> um, and then you've got like, you know, Skyward Sword, which is the one that's been... I think I'm in the same boat with you, George. I didn't play it, even though like our family owned a Wii at the time. Because at that point, it was like, no one gives a shit about the Wii anymore. Like, if you look at the sales numbers they'd like plummeted because all of the you know casuals or whatever had moved on from the Wii like it was a fad for them and so the people who were left were just like not really engaged with the thing I think because it was you know like nothing system defining oh well you know like yeah obviously I'd like Mario Galaxy or whatever but like there there were some goods but it is hard to think of like one solid good system seller for the Wii games but when i think of the Wii i think of like the best version of Metroid Prime the best version of Ari like a lot of really good ports yeah. and some pretty good original projects i would say the best game for the Wii was Wii Sports because it was the one that like <laughs> you know like for me it's the one that sort of resonates with sort of like the Super Mario 64 factor with like you know, when you think of Nintendo 64, you go, ah, Super Mario 64, right? And I think, right. like, for me, it's Wii Sports because, like, the thing I remember really fondly with the Wii was, like, you know, being in a room with, like, 10 people and all just taking turns, like, you know, playing an extremely long round of golf because everyone's, you know, like, everyone's lined up to take their shot and everyone's hurrying everyone along. But, yeah, it's probably like just nostalgia. real-life commercial scene. <laughs> yeah, basically. But, hey, that's what happens when you have a family of seven, so... <laughs> Whoa. Damn. I played it at parties, and it still looked like the We Would Like to Play commercials. Like, they really nailed the uh, communal gaming atmosphere with Wii Sports in a way that might not have been as captured as cleanly up until VR. Like, I haven't seen a room full of people giggling at how silly the video games are until 
that happened again with VR, I guess. There was some good couch co-op between those two interim periods. But yeah, the magic is just... When you have unique, silly hardware that people are laughing at, there's a different kind of magic in the room. Well, I guess the other one that was really big was Mario Kart when that came out. Because I remember like when I was in university, someone was like, hey, you want to come play some Mario Kart? And me being the epic gamer bro was like... (laughs) You're going to play on the Wii. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they're like, no, no, come on in. And, and you know, it was basically like once I realized like everyone's playing Mario Kart, it was like Mario Kart was literally on 24 hours a day because everyone was just like, you could get people who don't play games at all to just come in and, you know, Mario Kart obviously has all the like rubber banding and, you know, like blue shells and stuff to sort of make everyone have a yeah. bit of fun. But I think like that Wii is such an interesting little time capsule for when it came out because like, Everyone loved it or, you know, like it did gangbusters when it came out. But then like, you know, now everyone just hates it because they had uh, waggle motion controls or whatever. But I, I don't know. There was like the thing I kind of think of is there was that video by, you know, Neryl. Have you heard of that channel? Where he was talking about like, okay, we'll, we'll link it for the description for everyone. But there was a video I saw and it was basically the argument was made that the motion control was like, on par with a keyboard and mouse and like when they're talking more about like the ir aiming not the accelerometer where you're just waggling the controller and like i guess the point the author was trying to make there was like the ir aiming should have never gone but because everyone had the stigma of like ew motion controls nintendo had to abandon it like the next generation if that makes sense like you can't really stick you know the ir pointer onto a controller because it just doesn't work but you know gyro and that have sort of stayed around which is sort of interesting i guess how does it look in television mode i mean uh, skyward sword hd the the switch port that is do you mean like in terms of what what does it look like visually like resolution clarity because the thing about skyward sword is that it looks fine in its original version but when you plugged that game into an emulator on 1080p it was bad if not the best looking zelda game one of the best looking games it looks good. I think the only thing people have noted is that the, you know, like the painter effect in the backdrops is yeah. sort of like, it must be tied to resolution because people say it's a little bit less intense. So like what I assume it is, is like, because it's now at 1080p when you, or 720p when you on handheld, they must have like made that scale with the screen because I assume that they went with that style oh. to sort of like... Go with the fact that the Wii was still using component cables. You know, like wasn't an HD thing. Yeah, that does make sense. Yeah, right. And there would have been no portable mode for the original game, so they would have had no need to account for the differences in resolutions for any kind of shaders or textures that were tied to that. Well, because it's like less noticeable in the sort of effect that happens in the background, but it's more noticeable in the textures now because the textures are nice and high res, and they were already like. You know, I don't think they were painted literally, but they have that painter style to them. And so, like, you know, you walk past a really nice texture of some, you know, like rocks on a wall and you're like, ah, this is comfortable. (laughs) But for me, I like, I think the interesting thing about the game is like, if you're playing in handheld mode, the stick on the right side is your sword, right? And it corresponds to those directions. And so, like, if you want to use the camera, you have to hold down the L button, which is like, a bit awkward to get used to. Like it's kind of like what people recommend you do is up the camera sensitivity to very high or else it's like just doesn't feel right. Because other than that, if you're not using that second stick, it feels like you're playing Ocarina of Time again because you don't have a way to adjust your camera other than using Z-targeting. So 
bit of a Oof. throwback, I guess. But I don't think it had camera controls with the like Wii version either, because you know if you think about the Wii mode, the nunchuck was the only analog stick, wasn't it? Yeah, and it was on your your right hand instead of your left, so that's your sword hand that would also be controlling the camera too. I have not played it. I've wanted to at some point, and the question was always, should I play it on an emulator in 1080p with a uh, dolphin bar set up on the computer via USB so I could use a real Wiimote with it? Or should I just splurge for this version now because it has quality of life features that playing it on an emulator is not going to give you? And that sounds like the ultimate better way to go. But as someone who also hasn't played it, like, does it feel like a good Zelda game now at this point? Are, are you are you getting the negativity that people were experiencing back then? Or Not really. Like, one of the things I think, which I've sort of looked at a couple of videos about, because I was like, well, what's the big changes? Is I think the, I mean, for me, I don't think it's more of an HD version. I think it's more of a director's cut, because what they've done is it seems like they've removed a lot of the, like, hand-holding. Like, I wasn't expecting to get to the first dungeon as quickly as I did because, you know, one of the things I'd heard is that it takes like 40 minutes to, before you st- like playing the game, I was like, oh, great, you know, okay, we'll, we'll try. Yeah. You know, I, I saw a thing that like even in the first interaction you have with a character when you walk outside, in like, I think the Wii one, it's like he stops to talk to you every like 20 seconds, you know, to tell you like how to jump and then how to cr- climb up the grass and then how to do this. And like with the the HD version, it's like, it's just completely cut. And so like, I think they got the feedback that people were saying, like, it's too handholdy. So, you know, I'm I'm actually interested to see if this will be like, you know, this will be the moment now that everyone will say, Skyward Sword was misunderstood, but, you know, asterisk, (laughs) asterisk, you have to play the HD version, you know what I mean? That's good news though, still, right? I mean, I I would say that like, for me, I've, I've been totally fine with it so far there's been nothing really that i'm like offended and, and want to drop the game over like because it's it's a really beautiful looking game and like like i guess the thing i also think about is it's like it's got all the dna of breath of the wild it's like almost breath of the wild in a lot of ways where like you know it's got the stamina bar it's got you know this sort of like free form climbing but it's not necessarily an open world i don't know it's it's a really interesting time capsule i'll say that so besides the the handholding and the excessive dialogue, that was always complaint number one. Complaints numbers two and three were related to bosses being really easy and having big obvious weak points that you use the item that you found in the dungeon like in every other Zelda game for the past 20 years before this one. Complaint number three would have been the linearity, that it was a lot more linear than the previous Zelda games that people had gotten used to. And those seemed like things that quality of life changes would not well, maybe the bosses, but... I would say they haven't improved things like the linearity, but my argument for that would be what we were talking about earlier, that it feels more like a Metroidvania where you're sort of like going down these corridors and getting to a point where you can't progress. So you go back and you go down a different corridor, get an item, then go back down that same corridor and like now go through a little bit further. That's my experience so far, which is why I'm kind of like... Like, because I haven't played through the game fully yet, so I don't know how much they rinse that out. Like, if I have to go through the same area and it's, like, basically just go to the same area again and they've just swapped the enemies out again, but they haven't added, like, an extra tunnel onto the end, if that makes sense, I'm probably going to see that that's probably the case. But, like, so far I've been, you know, like, I've just cleared three dungeons and now I'm back at the first area but going a little bit further beyond. Sort of like, you know how in Ocarina of Time, like, you got to that, part in like the woods and you know 
you'd have to come back there later as adult link to like use the grappling hook to get up. Mm-hmm. It's, it's sort of like that, I guess. But you know, I don't want to take up too much more of this time with HD Skyward Sword stuff. We can probably see what you've been playing, George. Before I just get depressing about it. <laughs> <laughs> or yeah, you playing some more Hunt? I I got I I got back into the Hunt, guys. I got back into the Hunt. <laughs> There's a big hunt update coming. They have released it prematurely on some beta version of the game for super hardcore gamers who want to play it early. And it is good. It is so good. It is life-ruiningly good. Oh, my God. So you decided to become a, a hunt showdown channel? You about to switch over? Dude, I, I'm scared. I'm seriously... I think I, I have talked over the past year about how like this is the first game, I think, where I've felt like the actual addictive tendencies kick in. Like I was able to understand how people could starve themselves to death playing StarCraft and World of Warcraft, but this isn't a subscription-based MMO or anything. It just so perfectly latches in to the anxieties that will cause me to play way too goddamn long of a game than I should. But anyways, it's... Because it's so well designed. It's my favorite multiplayer competitive FPS of all time. I like it better than Counter-Strike. I like it better than Halo. I like it so much I hate it. It's so good. The new map shows that they have learned a lot of experience from their previous maps. One of the big problems with Battle Royale multiplayer games in general is how big of an open space you would have in an open field. And in Hunt Showdown, where people move especially slowly, there's this kind of meta strategy to moving around the map that is kind of frustrating if you get killed from, but you still know why you died. And that's because you decided to go through the field during the wrong moment without either checking first if there are people on the other side or knowing at all if there are people on the other side waiting for you to cross the field. So they made a map with no fields. (laughs) They just straight up made a map without the worst parts of the other two Hunt Showdown maps. It's called DeSales Landing, and it is beautiful. It is incredibly well designed. A Hunt Showdown map is a very... Very ambitious undertaking. They are huge. They have to be dense as well as huge. And they also have to have little mini levels that flow into one another with some sort of idea of there being linear tunneling to the player's route, even though the impression still should have you feeling like you're in the great outdoors exposed from all angles. So what they ended up doing is just plopping a shitload of trees down and have the hills roll up and down in the open areas between the compounds with two big mountainous peaks at opposite ends of the map that the whole map is kind of built around. It's all about verticality. And verticality works extremely well with Hunt Showdown's mechanics of sound-based stealth. Of every time you move, you make a very loud footstep noise, even when you're crouched and trying to go as quiet as possible. The meta strategy that that makes it so frustrating if you don't figure this stuff out, is that you have to move while other players are moving or while a boss is screaming a loud noise or while a old 1800s electricity generator is chugging away at gas and there's machine parts moving around these old steampunk areas. But when you have verticality, when you have multiple layers of, of buildings with tunnels kind of honeycombing in and out of them, Whenever you move, the players, the other players can detect your direction, but they cannot really deduce your elevation. So I like to play Hunt Showdown as a solo because I hate myself. And it is so good for that. It really makes you feel like a super secret solid snake agent crawling through the grass for 30 minutes to slip into the waterfall dock secret entrance of the enemy compound. Because unlike the other maps, there's enough cover to actually 
make a trip like that silently and quietly as a solo. It's also beautiful. It's gorgeous. It nails the aesthetics I wanted. I was a little worried the, the German developers Crytek would make a cheesy, generic American spaghetti western shootout town out of the whole map. And there's just one little section of it that looks like that. And this one little section is picture perfect. It looks like you're in Red Dead Redemption 2 all of a sudden. There's a, a saloon across the road from an undertaker, across the road from like a row of stables with hitching posts. And all these buildings will have like at least two, maybe three different floors of elevation in them with six different entrances going in and out. Jesus and little countertops. Christ, George. <laughs> and there's another section that's like a giant creepy cemetery around an, an old church. And it's so much bigger and scarier than the giant creepy cemeteries in the other maps. And then there's another one that's this giant plantation house. And it's enormous. It's like an actual Resident Evil mansion. You could play a whole entire match just in one house in one corner of this map. It would give you an actual survival horror stealth game feel of creeping through a spooky mansion looking for shadows in the corners in a way that the other maps don't do. Like, it's so inspiring to see this incredibly unique game have a very different model of FPS combat than the usual that they ended up over the years learning how to make a particular map for. Oh, it's I, it really like makes me appreciate the level designers behind this, this game. I love it so much. I, I hate I'm going to. Oh! Wow. <sighs> Sorry, was I gushing too hard? The regular amount. He came. No. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> There's a new menu system, more player data when waiting in lobbies. There's ranked matchmaking. You can only play with the tryhards now for extra ranked points if you want to do that sort of thing. If that's how much oh, you, really? you hate yourself when playing multiplayer games. They call it MMR. Uh the you, you have an MMR ranking now and you can check a box if you want to play in a, in a ranked. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. But now it's more transparent and there's the the idea, I guess, now that Hunt Showdown has more players and eyeballs attached to it, maybe thanks to me, that uh, they're, they're doing some things to split the player base up. There's this test server version of the game. There's a more ranked version of the game because I guess now there's enough people playing it. If the tryhards leave the rest of the population, it won't mess the whole ecosystem up at this point. But man, yeah, when that new Hunt Showdown map releases, definitely get back into the binge. Like, I cannot stress enough. Is how... that game on consoles as well? Or is that just PC? Yes, there's PlayStation 4 and 5 versions, I think. I don't think they have an Xbox version, but I will actually look that up right now. I guess the thing I was thinking is like, does it have like the same, I guess, like not broad appeal, but does it have like this sort of, you know, like with like Warzone or Fortnite or something, it's like they're the battle royale and Apex, I guess, they're just like the battle royales that people just cycle between. Do you reckon it's like possible for them with this new update to sort of get into the cycle of like everyone now playing Hunt? Man, this is not a regular man's game for sure. Yeah, it's extremely niche. Have you tried it? No, I haven't. I, I, I think my... Computer has like 18 gigs of storage left, so I can't. <laughs> <laughs> Hunt will definitely take all of that. Um, Dude, yeah. If you're frustrated with typical first person shooters too, Hunt is like. Hunt is great. The one. Like, it is not for typical. It except, doesn't scratch except the same for jackasses who run around with two pistols. Sounds like But me. they are still having to <laughs> consciously run around. You, you got to pay it. It's every footstep matters in Hunt, and, and it, it doesn't. Not for them. <laughs> <laughs> just run across the field and go bum, 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 from like miles away. Well, maybe that's because the other players don't know how to counter them yet. 
What's the ammo model like? Is it like where you do you have like not much ammo or are you like it's limited? Yeah. yeah. And if you hit an ammo refill container, you can only use them once and they will only top your ammo out. You won't get like extras. So if you fire one bullet and then find one of three ammo containers in the house you got to defend, you have three chances to try and refill your ammo and the box will just give you like one or two bullets too. Yeah, it's not about like you don't really run out of ammo if you're on the move, but if you are camping you and you're trying to hold out, you will. Yeah. Because I, I think that was the biggest, I think, deal breaker for me with PUBG was like, if you'd made it past, you know, 60% of the players are all dead. It was just like, okay, you're just swimming in ammo at this point. Like, you know, you've got like 200 rounds for the scar and you're just like, okay, like there's no yeah. tension kind of because you're just like, okay, everyone's got ammo at this point. It's just about who can get them. Yes. First. This game is by far the best battle royale I've ever played. You will notice people play differently as they run out of ammo. They will get more defensive or run away or dig in and hide around corners and use melee weapons. And it works. <laughs> when you have your actual gunfight, it will feel a little bit like a traditional FPS because you have a quick time to death. It's all about split-second violence. But the thing is that you have entire minutes of strategizing beforehand where you're making sure that you get into that gunfight with the correct angle. You can hear other players. There's no storm wall. It's like decreasing the amount of space you have to go in. So you have a lot of time to relocate if you want. So if you do end up rushing in and dying, it does kind of feel like it's on you. If you end up getting shot in the head in the middle of nowhere, it does kind of feel like that was on you. Because you move so loudly, but if you move in bushes and cover, you're borderline invisible. Like the other players are picking you up by sound more so than sight most of the time. So that's what all the planning goes into before everyone dies in one split second from the headshot they don't see, unless you're playing this new map. If you were playing this new map, you are far more likely to be able to have more opportunities to hear players coming, hear players going, gauge what kind of strategy they're about to take. It's fun it's it's so funny to see how the change in level design changes the way people strategize and 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 fight and move and and how it changes the feel of the gunplay itself. It's now a good time to hop in though. That's my question. Absolutely. Cuz this new update's going to drop and that's going to get a lot of newbies in. Like right right now it is it is in beta. It might have actually dropped today when we're recording. Yeah, with this new update, this might be the best time for quite a while before the next big update spikes a new. I guess the thing I'm always thinking about is there are like some games that's just like, you know, it's, it's impenetrable just because like, if you were to try and play it today, like I'll use an example of like, you know, like Smash Melee. If you were to try and play today, you have to catch up on like the last 10 years of the meta and you're like, okay, I got to learn every fucking technique that is like yeah. unintended, like wave dashing and that. No, because like in this, everything is slow pace and there's only a limited amount of people on the map, depending on which, if you're playing on squads by yourself, it's a smaller map. There are many chances just to win, just for the sake of like, sometimes people just kill each other <laughs> and you're just left alone and you can just pick up the bounty and then go. There's so many chances, multiple Non-legal. people can win on the map as well. European extreme. Yeah, like it's, it, there's a different oh, strategy gosh. than just like, oh, the circle is closing and oh, you have to kill everyone and everyone's just fucking like doing these little crouch bunny hop steps like fucking in Warzone. Like none of that. It's the smarter player usually is the one who wins, right? Like the, the smarter play. 
So there's no closing circle. How does it pull everyone together? Because everyone is so loud that they gravitate towards each other as the map goes on. Every shot you shoot without a silencer, you hear that shit around the whole map. On the other side of the map. On the other side. You see the direction, you're like, all right, they're over in that direction. Okay, you're spawned to a map with like, I don't know, like, uh, is it like 12 other people or some shit like that? Your goal is to kill a monster, grab the bounty, and then leave at the extraction point, which are at the ends of the map. And these maps are like half a mile. No, they're a full mile. Like, they're huge for video game FPS maps, Derek. Might even be more than a mile wide. Yeah, you have limited stamina. So if you're trying to run away from people, they're chasing you at the same time. If they have their trait points up to have longer stamina than you, they will catch up and you would have to force the fight. There's so much... Like, I understand why George is so addicted to it. It's so smart. Yeah, it's really good. It- <laughs> Instead of a storm circle closing around the players, you have audio design that creates this like toilet flush effect where if you get too close to other players, it's really easy to get sucked into the combat, but really hard to escape. Right. So you end up having to use mind games and get clever if you want to escape. Or the newbie can rely on the optimal strategy of just hiding in one spot and doing absolutely nothing and wait for the other team to run out of patience for an easy, really hard to miss headshot. You die in one headshot. The whole meta of the game is making sure you're either moving fast enough or slow and stealthy and hidden enough so that you're not going to get hit by that one easy headshot. And that's why it feels like it's on you if you get shot by a sniper in the middle of an open field. Because there's very few players. You know, a typical battle royale will have a map of this size populated by 100 people. But with 12 people, when you can hear the gunshots from across the other side of the map, you can gauge fairly early on how many people are in what chunk of the map. You also do it by, like, deducing how much time has passed. In the early stages of a map, everyone spawns on the edge of the map, so you know the center's clean. Later on in the match, you want to keep your gun pointed towards the edges of the map as you move, because that means the players will have migrated towards those other regions. It's fucking brilliant! It is the smartest, most brilliant book. Oh, God! I was thinking about Battle Royale the other day, because, like, you know the thing that has just, like, blown my mind is, like, you know how, like, Nintendo, they've been doing their sort of, you know, like, spin-off Battle Royales or, you know, like, Tetris 99 and yeah. Super Mario 35. You know what's like strange that they haven't done is like they haven't just like this is what this is this is my Nintendo hire this man moment. But like I'm still waiting for Balloon Fight 69. Oh my god, 69? Why 69? Am I missing something? Are the Balloon Fight fans are they like the Sonic the Sonic fans of the Nintendo universe? Oh, it, that's a fetish waiting to happen, I'm sure. But in all seriousness, Balloon Fight would be a pretty good multiplayer. All right, hear me out. Here's the tip-top idea Nintendo needs to do as their next Battle Royale. F-Zero, mm. like, Battle Royale, where it's just yeah, like... because there were... Death Race. There were 100 cars in, yeah. in the old F-Zero games. There were, like, so many of them, and they all had a shot. <laughs> well, well, the thing I kind of think is it's just like... You just add that classic game mode where the person who's coming last and gets lapped, they just get eliminated. But then you have like, you know, the with F-Zero, the car's just blowing up all the time anyway. It's like, they should just make that because like people have been asking for an F-Zero for ages and like... There's things they could do to it nowadays, absolutely. Yeah. Plugging the 18-year-old F-Zero GX into VR like absolutely opened my eyes to how there needs to be a one of those. <laughs> God, 18 years? Far out. Before we move on to the next topic, 
I just want to talk about a Hunt Showdown story that might hopefully make it sound palatable for newbies. When I was first figuring the game out uh, and how to play solo, I had a run where I just hid outside of the boss arena, waited for the two players to kill the bosses, and then ran far away enough from them so that it would not be worth it if they chased after me. And then, after they started heading to their extraction point, I chased after them. This caused them to go too fast. They wandered into a pack of bloodthirsty hounds. One of them got eaten. The other one ran off and left his friend behind, where I, who had not shot anyone or even fought anyone and barely even made my presence known during this match was still able to pick the prize up and leave just through pure stealth. No shooting required, no killing required, but it did require a lot of clever movements timed correctly to what I was hearing. And oh, it felt so good. I imagine that game would be like just full of mind games, eh? where someone would like, Mm -hmm. you know, like shoot their ammo off at nothing to try and lure people in and like sit in a bush to, to pick them off or something. That is what happened, because they saw someone chasing after them. They just didn't know how shitty of a player it was. <laughs> so they legitimately got fooled into screwing up their own plan just from, like, me being a blob somewhere on the map that was close to them. No one's seen this player the whole match. God, he must be a god. (laughs) (laughs) They legitimately don't know if you don't reveal themselves. Like, if you learn how to move around in a way that sets people up for ambushes, you feel incredibly powerful without actually having to be good at the gunfights. (laughs) I'm shivering. (laughs) Well, I'll be quick. I played... The next two that I played are like charming indie games, which I tend to love. You know, like the voice acting is not like perfect, but it's like good enough to be passable. It has soul. It has has charm, as they call it. They have charm. Cloudpunk and Ghost 1.0. Cute games, man. Cute games. Ghost, I got to say, it's not perfect. (laughs) There's a lot of decisions that they made to get like... It's a Metroidvania. You it's a Metroidvania. I know. It's still a Metroidvania. <laughs> Every once in a while, I just have to be like, okay, I need to find a Metroidvania again. This one's an older one. So I've missed it the first 20 times I ran through the Steam list. <laughs> Gotta play them all, though. Gotta play them all. The problem with this one is that the difficulty... They, these are the same people who made Unepic. I never played that one, but a lot of people like that old one. So hopefully people can kind of uh, bridge those two together. But like, this one's a Metrovania. You play as a... It kind of feels almost like you're playing Mega Man, right? And the balancing f- for the bosses is just a little bit on the hard side. And to relieve that so you can get all the power-ups from all the shops and everything, and you still won't be strong enough. And the point to find a fix that is that you have to collect these souls in every single room and you have no idea how to unlock the souls. Sometimes you have to crouch for five seconds. Sometimes you have to jump in a specific part of the room and you unlock these souls and you can collect them. And if you collect them in the whole region of that zone, you get a frame that gives you a buff that would help you with the boss. I'm looking at some of the screenshots. It's like, it looks like it gets pretty intense. Like there's there's shit flying everywhere. Yeah. It's these boss fights that have these weird mechanics that, that like, there's this boss fight, which is probably, like, one of the most annoying, where you're supposed to 
use your ghost form, control another robot, shoot her tank that's healing her, and then get back to your body. But what she does when she comes out is that she EMPs your body. So you're frozen and she releases every bullet that you've shot at her. (laughs) And you can't move. You can't move. So it's a DPS race. And it's just like, this is not, yeah, it's just like, no, what is this? So what helps in that battle is to have the plant frame, which automatically heals you every second. But in order to do that, you have to randomly go to every like crevice of the zone to try to figure out how to unlock all these like secrets in that specific part of the map to unlock it. And it'll take a while, take like a couple hours to try to figure it out. And sometimes like, like who knows to sit and crouch for five seconds? Like I had to look up a guide. <laughs> who knows to crouch for five seconds or jump and or take your ghost to like a certain section of the, of the map. Like it is the weirdest thing it is the weirdest thing. And that is, that is some old Nintendo it's shit. It's old. And Simon's Quest, yeah. What is it? <laughs> yeah, the cherry on top about this is that you can't reset your traits, your, mm. your skill tree. And your skill tree definitely helps you with everything else, like creating builds and being stronger to defeat these bosses. So you can really fuck yourself playing this game. Maybe they think it's cute to have old Nintendo bullshit. It sucks because it's. Regardless of all that, it's a fun game with like really charming voice acting. Like it's cute when you play the first section, the, the, even the tutorial. You're like, oh wow, this I could get into this. Like it, automatically, it just it sells you on it, even though they're kind of dry sometimes. A cloud punk, basically, you drive. It's like a visual novel where you drive <laughs> from here to there, and you're a cyberpunk delivery driver basically of illegal items and there's a story with it and it's fun is it really cute though you 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 market it as cute but i've it is cute it is cute the the main character voice acting is pretty bad but she gets into it after like an hour she gets, she gets, <laughs> she gets yeah she warmed up she's got a warm up she warmed up <laughs> yeah like the whoever whoever was coaching her was doing a good job in the beginning they're like, no, no, more feeling, more like, you know. I guess she was supposed to be standoffish, but it didn't translate well. I believe they added a VR mode later. Did they? I'm playing the DLC right now. So, and she's significantly better in the DLC. Oh, no, I think it's just uh, Vorpex right now, but. Oh, Vorpex, okay. That, yeah, that Cloudpunk cool. is definitely a good, good candidate to plug into VR. I've heard that. Is that multiplayer at this point, or is it just on Steam? I think it's just on Steam, but I could be wrong. Because it, it looked like, from, from I remember seeing the screenshots, it looked really awesome with like really heavy rain and stuff, and like mm-hmm. a lot of light sources, and yeah, like it looked like Blade Runner. Yeah. For the first time, I wish I had a steering wheel peripheral. <laughs> if you had a steering wheel in that comfy flying car Blade Runner cockpit in VR, what well, one thing I would say. This game has flying cars. So is it all deliveries? Does it get more interesting than just running deliveries through the city? It gets more interesting, but the thing is, it doesn't change. The gameplay doesn't Hmm. change. I guess it's kind of a spoiler, but just what what you're getting into, like you're driving and you get out the car and you can be in first person, but I mean, that's mostly what it is. Yeah, it's like a visual novel, basically. 
It's a good one, though. It's a good one. Interesting, really interesting characters. I would want to go through that in VR. How long to beat.com says nine hours. Would you say that's accurate? Yeah, I think I did it quicker. But yeah. And they just came out with the cockpit update. And there's, uh, if you just Google Cloudpunk VR, there's a lot of real positive stories about how it works with Vorpex. Do you know that's what I used? I used Cloudpunk in the animation that I was making. Yeah, yeah, I do remember you mentioning that. Yeah, yeah, I used it as a frame. It's good for backgrounds. Hey, good, good for backgrounds, yeah, yeah. yeah. I imagine that speedruns of this game are like, you know, Tofu Delivery Boy Simulator, because you'll just be like screaming around the city, like drifting and stuff, right? I wish the driving was that cool, but it's oh, not it? that cool. No, oh, it's not that cool. Oh. It is a shame. It is a shame. I wish they did just a little bit more. Maybe in the in the DLC, there's a little bit more, but it seems like the same. Like if the driving was the only thing you did, it would have been good to like make it fun, right? You know, especially if you're like this person that has to get things there on time and stuff like that. And there's not a lot of time stuff. People wondering about that. It's not crazy taxi. But yeah, they should have made the driving just a bit better. Cloud taxi. I feel like uh, certain games like that where they sort of, because like I would assume the reason the driving's like that is just so it's, you know, like, I mean, you're driving and flying, right? Like, so you'll have all these things. But like, I always think about like with games, they should have always this thing at the start where it's like, the like new game plus is something you can opt into by just like a vendor being like, Hey, you want me to like modify your car and like, I'll, you know, like make it that it can do all the really hard shit yeah. from the start, but it will be like, you know, you're opting into that and just like make it clear. Cause like, I feel sometimes that's better just for, for pace and that, but yeah, yeah. obviously I haven't played this game, so I'm just spitballing here, but yeah, it, there are upgrades, but it doesn't do much, man. Let me tell you, <laughs> it doesn't right. do much, right? It's just the same, like, you go up, you go down, you go forward, you go back. And that's the end of the game right there. I mean, you could kind of control it, feel more satisfying, but to like park, but it's the same shit. Two very interesting games with faults of their own, but I enjoyed them. I enjoyed them. I would love to mellow out in the Cloudpunk City. Yeah. Just sit back with the VR set on and soak it all in. Well, I remember seeing something early about VR. People used to say, like, you play Cloudpunk in VR and you also have, like, a movie, like, on your... I think you can do, like, a second screen or something with Steam or something where you can just put a little window in the corner. And, like, I remember someone saying, like, they were just playing Cloudpunk and they had their movie they were watching just, like, sitting there and they would just, like, glance at it while they're driving. I'm like, wow, (laughs) okay. That's immersion. Oh, That's really? fully being fully immersed. I could never do stuff like that. I don't understand. George does that too, that multitasking like shows and stuff. I if I'm gonna watch something, I just watch it. Well, I think part of the reason is that the internet has driven me crazy and like given me adult <laughs> ADD. Like yeah. like my attention span yeah. is not what it was a few years ago. Yeah, I feel that. I, I don't know. Vess, have you been feeling that at all? Yeah, like sometimes I just want to like, I can't just sit and enjoy something. I've got to like enjoy three things at once because I'm like, like, I don't really want, like, for example, I started playing Red Dead 2 like a couple of weeks ago again. And that's a slow paced game that requires your attention and immersion. Well, there were like, there's those certain bits where it's just like, come on, like, uh, (laughs) (laughs) like, I've already played it. And I'll just have like, you know, video up in the background. I'll just be like, tagging like going in between those because like you know like like and i remember doing that with death stranding even on my first playthrough was like 
the, the most enjoyable thing for that for me was like, oh, I have like a game I can play while listening to my podcast. And that's not saying like, a, you know, Death Stranding sucks or anything like that. It's more that whole like, because <laughs> I, I like Death Stranding. Like, don't confuse me for one of those <laughs> UPS posters <laughs> for, for Liam. <laughs> How would you get us two mixed up? <laughs> the public perception has reversed, I think. Like, you don't see the negativity around the director's cut and around the PC release. A lot more positive reviews were shifting in than some of the more negative reviews of the, the PS4 version. And I, and I never understood the criticism. I feel like it's just that whole thing when people feel like they have to be a contrarian every three months. And so, like, I also feel like, like some hype had to do with it. Like, it was expecting more of a Metal Gear Solid type experience, but that's not what it was intended to do. I liked it. As I said, like, my enjoyment of that game was like, oh, I have 10 podcast episodes I haven't listened to in yeah. a while. I'll, I'll just put them on while doing, like, not the story deliveries, but like, you know, the ones where you just like take this cargo, like, you know, how you just like load up all your cargo and it'll take you like 30 minutes to just go around the map and deliver it all. Yeah. And like, I think that was good. Yeah. I definitely uh, have a harder time having only one screen of media in front of my face. I am way more fidgety than I was before the pandemic. I have a hard time focusing on one movie or one show before the pandemic. I The thing is, after the pandemic, I've developed this ghost habit in my right hand where it wants to have a cell phone in it. And if I'm not doing anything immediately pressing, immediately stimulating in front of my face, I'll just start doom scrolling on Twitter forever and it'll never stop. And before I know it, hours have passed. And then I hate myself for not being more productive. And I'm sure everyone's fucking noticed it at this point and gone through some similar problems themselves, but it still feels pretty, pretty shitty. It feels super shitty. I feel horrible. How are you guys doing? <laughs> I don't want to plug any bullshit Silicon Valley products, but I remember there was this thing these people made, which was called like the no phone. And all it was was like a plastic form factor of a phone that you were supposed to carry around to sort of relieve your tech addiction, which I was like, that's sort of interesting. But then they got became really fucking pretentious and they called one was like the no phone air and it was just a empty plastic shell that you buy. Like the joke is, oh, look, it's a phone, but it's made of air. You know, like, I don't know. I, I feel like. Wait, 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 wait. So they, they carry around a plastic phone. So every time they go to take out their phone to like mindlessly scroll, it's plastic. So they're like, oh, shit, plastic. And they put it back. Yeah, in. it's like a dummy phone that doesn't. And you leave your real phone at home. Yeah, and it's supposed to like help relieve your, you know, want to grab your phone out, and you go, oh, it's that. Okay, put it back. It's in my a pocket. piece of plastic. Yeah, it's a piece of plastic. It's just a rectangle of plastic. That is so. That is the most like Amazon capitalism thing. Is let's just injection mold a rectangle of plastic and then sell it with all of these imaginary words attached that make people <laughs> want to buy it more. But it will get you to stop though, because. You want the feeling of that shape in your pocket, I'm right? I'm skeptical. I'll just say that. Like, yeah, you, you want the feeling of that shape, though, in the pocket. So, like, you're like, okay, I have my phone with me. Okay, I have my phone with me. You know? And then you take it out, and you're like, oh, shit. You know, I can't just, like... I'll find the link to it. All I'd say is oh I'm a little bit skeptical, because they the next thing they brought out, as I said, was this thing, and it was called the No Phone Air, which was literally just... It was the same box... <laughs> No, no plastic. <laughs> yeah. That's like a joke uh, product, like, like a Apple. parody you see on yeah. Tim and Eric. Here it is. A Cinco product. They have sort of funny, like, have a look at the marketing. It's like, I checked this in the shitpost channel there, but like the marketing was like the least advanced phone ever. No screen, no battery, oh my gosh. no phone. 
why is this like a professional <laughs> website? What is this? Yes. Because it's marketing. It's an extremely cheap product to produce that they're, you know, selling for $12. It used to be 37000 <laughs> This is all a joke. I know, I know. I love it though. It's a zero MP picture. Zero gigabyte storage. Zero percent phone. What? There might be some legitimately tech-addicted people whose parents or loved ones might buy them this out of concern, but no one's going to buy the no phone air unless it's a gag gift. Look at the image they did for the no phone air. It's just a hair. <laughs> <laughs> a cell phone shaped piece of plastic that still feels good to rub your fingers across like would at least probably help some people out the no phone air though that is a that absolutely has to be a gag gift product that is to chuckle at when you open the box and find nothing inside wait can we pre-order we can pre-order it i think they did a oh, kickstarter for it is a kickstarter they did a kickstarter okay okay this has to be actually less an angry product and more of funny joke making fun of the whole system. Right, guys? Right, please? I hope. Oh, no. oh this is real. I'm pre-ordering it now. $563 raised on Kickstarter for the no phone here. <laughs> they only needed 500 so... <laughs> now that's... Well, let me tell you, kids, you gotta spend money to make money, but you don't want to spend a lot of money. All I hope is that they kept with the joke and they don't appear on a TED Talk in a couple of years be like, we disrupted the fidgeting space or something like that, you know, like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the fidget space, disrupting the fidgets. It's a disruptive well, product. Th that's a real industry now. Like, if you type in, like, fidget cube, there's, like, medical stuff around it, but there was, like, this guy who said, like, you know, he had a really bad problem with fidgeting, so, like, he made this thing called the fidget cube. I just think it there, and it's, like, basically a, just a thing, like a, a, a square with a bunch of fun things to click your fingers over. Like, it has, like, a, a DS slide pad and, like, some little clicky things on the side, and, like, you know, like, apparently for people who, you know, have a problem with fidgeting, but they have, you know, like, this thing where they want to keep doing it, it was really, like, relieving for them, and, like, they could just have it in their pocket and like get it all out for a meeting or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Th these things were like originally invented for people with like ADHD or, or autism who would like want some sort of thing to fidget or keep their hands busy while their eyes and brains are focused on something else. And I definitely have felt more of that than I used to in my previous life. And it's a little worrying me. We know what George's Christmas gift is this year, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm loading up all the plastic. Yeah. The no phone or the no phone air, George? I think I, like, I'll send you the no phone air. How's that sound? I think between the two, the no phone air sounds more uh, damage resistant. <laughs> That's oh, waterproof. Man. Speaking of plastic things you can fidget with while rolling around in bed playing PC games that are uh, obscure indie releases. Is that a segue to Steam Deck? Yeah, let's talk about one of the biggest news stories this week. Dude, I absolutely feel like 
when I need to talk to someone during like a job interview or a high pressure corporate meeting and I just have some energy bottled up in my hands and my arms and it's messing with my focus, I will totally just whip out the Steam Deck right there in the desk in front of the interviewer and just fidget with it throughout the talking to help me get my focus back. It's a big Steam Deck. I'll tell you that. Gonna fidget with your deck in front of people in public? Yeah, it's a big deck. Pull your deck out? Yeah. Boy. (laughs) Boy. We have some hot takes on this. The new Valve Steam Deck, the uh, portable PC gaming, don't know if you want to call it a console or not, depends on how semantic you want to get, gaming video entertainment device brought to you by your friends at Valve. The Steam Deck is going to be uh, sporting a AMD GPU and CPU that they're combining into what they're calling an accelerated processing unit. (laughs) Clocking in at 1.6 teraflops of something. It's got a little 7-inch screen that's running in a resolution of 1200 by 800. It apparently is capable of playing modern, current-gen AAA games on a relatively tiny resolution and a relatively tiny device. It will allow you to install different operating systems than the one it comes with, which is going to be the Mm -hmm. SteamOS version of Linux, which is also going to include a new kind of sort of fan-made, I don't know if I want to call it open source or not, but a made by the community out of their passion, maybe for free, maybe some crowdfunding was involved. Windows emulator called Proton that uh, is like wine. If you've ever seriously tried to game in Linux before, you've used wine before as a Windows emulator wrapper. Apparently Proton is the bigger, better, newer version of that. Shout out to the 10 Linux gamers. Uh, The 10 Linux gamers who are swearing up and down nowadays that they have less to worry about than they used to. But even if that does worry you, not to worry, question mark, you can install Windows on it somehow through a USB disc, I'm guessing, Mm -hmm. because it has USB peripheral ports on the dock that you can plug it into, just like the Switch. And that's how you can get your mouse and keyboard plugged into there. But you don't necessarily need to plug a mouse and keyboard in there to play mouse and keyboard games because it has two little mouse touchpads on it. Can I just say something before we start, right? Because I'm a Steam developer and I don't want to, I don't necessarily want to get in hot water with, you know, Gabe, who obviously is a regular listener to Dad and Sons. I think Valve software is really good, but Valve hardware is very hit and miss from my experience, from my experience. I love you and everything. However, I'm going to have to respectively disagree. Excuse me? I have genuinely enjoyed the three Steam hardware purchases I've made, even though they have some negatives attached to them. I really liked the Steam Link. I really liked the Steam Controller. If it was not $1,000 and had a one-year warranty, I'd really like the Valve Index. Instead, I just kind of like the Valve Index. I, I feel like like my track record, I think, has been probably better than, than yours and some other people's. For me, the Steam Link was fairly reliable. It solved a lot of problems in my housing entertainment nope. situation. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, apparently it's a big poopy pile of garbage. Go on. Okay, I got a Steam Link on a fire sale. Like It was 20 bucks. I was like, oh, wow, this thing everyone said was a thing. 20 bucks, sure, I'll get it. Like, money to burn and my experience with that thing was it worked 90 percent of the time and that's why i was like i don't like this because it's just that kind of thing where you know i'd have my computer in another room i'd stream it to my tv in the lounge room and then Mm -hmm. i'd have to sometimes just be constantly getting up to go to my computer to fix a problem or get the game to load or do something like that and then i'd go down to sit again and then 30 minutes later i have to get back up and like you know there was just like this added layer of like trying to get to the game. And I think that's the same thing with like <laughs> the Steam controller. I'll say this, Steam, 
products bad, Valve products much better. Like if, if you get what I mean, like Steam OS, mm, no. Steam Box, mm, no. Steam Controller, mm, no. But like Valve Index, pretty good. Now you're talking shit about the Steam Controller. That's a cult classic of a product. How those touchpads working out for you, George? Fine. The one problem I've had with the Steam Controller is having to change the AA batteries in the back and the clip to get them out is hard to wrestle with. But I use the Steam Link mostly for desktop browsing in the living room. I would use it to stream TV shows and movies in the living room when friends were over for parties. And I would use the Steam Controller for that. The mouse pad was always fine. The Steam Link always worked as intended, but then again, I was never really using it for high intense, high octane gaming. The Steam Controller, I do not have any complaints about whatsoever, and I think it's pretty darn cool. I was able to play yeah, mouse and keyboard games like Civ with it on a TV screen in the living room where we would pass the controller around and take turns through a turn-based strategy gaming experience. And I don't know if you could really do something like that in front of a regular computer with a regular mouse and keyboard. Here's my thinking of why I'm sort of like I'm excited for the Steam Deck in a way that I'm really happy that a lot of people who have been asking for this for a while are finally getting what they want. Like if you have a good type in there's this thing called the Smash Z, which is sort of like like it's the weirdest, it's like Smash. Mm, yeah, yeah, like a Mach 5 sort of it, It's the weirdest spelling. sounding thing, but basically what it was, it was a giant Kickstarter scam where they were cutting a Steam controller in half and chuck, you know, they were like, we're going to add a full gaming PC in the middle of this, like, have a look at that. And, you know, it was a giant scam where they, you know, fleeced a bunch of people of their money and I think they, they pulled out last year. But, you know, there was like obviously a market for these handhelds, like, you know, with GPD Win and that. So I'm really happy for people to get the Steam thing, but... I guess the thing I kind of think around that Steam Deck is like, the way I kind of look at it is people are acting like it's the second coming of Christ when I think there are some really obvious things that it's not going to work with. Yeah, it's not for normies. I think I'm seeing some mis- some confusion there. I beg to differ. Like, I don't know. Like, at first glance, it's a big hunky thing. Like, this doesn't seem the best. This is cheaper than a gaming laptop. It is. This, the price is like like look at it, like the 529 one, right? You want to get the 521. Well, you don't want to get the $400 one. You don't. I might get the four, I might get the $400. Do not get the $400 one. You get the one with the MEME just just get I'll put an expansion memory slot in and then No, I I I don't know how they build these things. You may not be able to do that. <laughs> just just get that then one. Then I'll, I'll just play small indie games on it and it'll it'll be fine. Here's the thing I think about the Steam Deck, right? PC gaming on the go, right? The thing I kind of just think about that is it's not really PC gaming what I think yeah. about when I think of PC gaming. It's more yeah. it's console ports, you know, on PC or like PC games that were designed with a controller to begin with. Like yeah. the, the thing I kind of think is like it would never pass the Armor 3 test, right? Where Armor 3 uses like the majority of the keyboard, you know, so you need like a million buttons or like... And this is... Why I don't think normies are going to gravitate to it. Well, the other thing is like, you know, this is what I mean about like, I didn't like the Steam Link. It's like the Steam Link, you had to use Big Picture, you know, and Big Picture was oh not my great. God. Oh, you just go to the little button in the corner and hit exit Big Picture, and then you have your whole entire desktop on a different screen than you. Yeah, but can you imagine doing that on the Steam Deck where you have to like now navigate a tiny screen version of Windows with like a little trackpad? Like, Mm-hmm. You know, and, and like I guess the thing that I've seen there have them, been devices before that that do that, and I've, I've yeah, streamed but it sucks. movies like, and ugh. stuff and roll around in bed and stuff. 
the the portability is is what you're making up for with that. Well, like the thing I kind of think is like you know, there's the sort of like promising the world with this thing, and I think like a lot of people are going to be let down when they start to realize like you can't necessarily. I think there's a difference between running a PC game mobily and playing a PC game mobily because like yeah, there's like certain games where it's like no, the reason you'd want to play that is mouse and keyboard, and like if you were like plugging a mouse and keyboard into the top and like trying to play it on a bus, you'd be like resting the keyboard on your your lap and like using the seat next to you or something and like it just wouldn't be good you know, you know like I, i'm obviously like kind of in the thing of saying like it'll be probably bad as good as a switch if you're playing like a console type game but it's going to require that degree of specialized knowledge to know what to stay away from there's a lot of games that use controllers though there's a lot yeah there's quite a lot like no one's going to play an mmo on this thing like, if you're playing an MMO on a Steam Deck, then something's wrong. Like, no, don't do that. You have to get home, plug that shit into the dock, use a mouse and keyboard. I, I do worry that PC-specific genres and games are not going to work on this thing. One big reason why is that 1200 by 800 resolution. I'm sure we're all well aware that when you play a PC game versus a console game, the text is tinier, the icons are tinier, because they expect the screen to be right in front of your eyeballs. And so when you have a resolution that slow, I worry that the text is going to be readable, the icons might be unreadable, and I was getting that experience with a lot of Switch ports of games with very dense, detailed artwork that are even 2D, easy to play on the portable games, like Hades and Hollow Knight. Both those games had a scaling problem at that resolution. Well, like, one of the most popular games at the moment on PC is Rust, right? Like, it got that huge boom from Twitch streamers playing it. And one of the biggest gameplay elements of that is the menuing, where you're, like quickly going through someone's inventory and clicking all the things you want to steal from them, right? Mm -hmm. And the thing I kind of think is, like, if you're playing that on the Steam Deck, it's like, okay, now you got to use the touchpad to, like... Yeah. I'm not going to play Rust on the Steam Deck. I'm not going to play Hunt Showdown on the Steam Deck. I'm, I'm not going to play those kinds of games on the Steam Deck, and I highly doubt a lot of people will. I've heard this concern a lot, and, and it seems like... Well, it's like, my thinking is, like, PC exclusives are not really going to be something you can really experience on it so for me yeah. i'm kind of like i feel like we're looking at this like from the view of like you want to pick up your whole tower and take it with you when this is basically like a handheld that you can turn into your desktop when you come home it's a cheap laptop that has a controller built into it and, and I, I want to go through the old 2D games, like the easy-to-run, cheap-on-your-systems resources games, 2D games, pixel art games, low-poly art style games. I would use this as an incentive to go through the entire Steam catalog of games I've purchased but never played because now I get the added incentive of being able to roll around in bed doing it without having to pay extra for a Switch port of the same game. Although the high price tag of buying a new hardware in general kind of offsets that. But that's why my preference would actually gravitate towards the $400 one because I would want to play cheaper, smaller, less system-intensive indie games on this that have been sitting in my backlog for years. I'd finally love knocking out something um, like Kentucky Route Zero. Point-and-click adventure games, I think, would be wonderful to roll around in bed and play on this. Especially since Kentucky Route Zero has that art style where it's all like solid colors and straight lines and not a lot of little smudges to get lost on the screen. And I understand where you're coming from, like why get this like i i don't have a need for it cuz i'm i'm not going to get it but i understand that this fits a lot of people's budget 
and like it's gonna sell. It's gonna sell like hotcakes because you know how many times I used to work at Micro Center right years ago, and you know how many people come in to try to get into PC gaming for five hundred dollars, five hundred dollars, and they already have a Steam library. Like it's an easy win. It's an easy win. Some people don't even have SSDs. I saw state drives in their computers. And they get it with this one. The fastest, or one of the fastest, I doubt it's the faster ones, but like okay. one of the fastest. Counterpoint, why I'm not fully sold on the sort of like it does everything infrastructure ecosystem type thing is... This is if they actually nail the hardware. Right, right. Well, okay. So like my thinking is, you know, they're talking about like, well, if you don't like SteamOS, just install Windows. It's like, Great, now I'll have to try and fix Windows when it fucks up on a bus. Yeah. I'm just trying to play my games, you know what I mean? And that to me is like, I don't mind dealing with Windows when I'm sitting here at my desktop, but if I had to do that whilst on a bus and like, you know, when I'm just like trying to play a game and just be like, put it in the bag, I'm done. And you guys remember like, like sometimes you got to install drivers for your hardware to get old weird games running correctly. How the hell is that going to work on this? Well, even some games you buy on Steam, it's like they don't work. And the first thing is like you go to the discussion. It's like a, you know, like a thread. Here's how to make it work in modern resolutions. You got to download this mod and this fix and stuff like that. Like I'm thinking of um, some of those games with like super duper like legacy titles like Hitman 2 or something like that, where I think it was Hitman 2 or maybe it was Hitman Blood Money. But I remember buying that and playing it on Steam and it was like it did not load when you bought it. And you actually had to go to like an outside source to download something and fix the game. And like, this is what I mean. Like, I don't mind doing this when I'm on a desktop PC, but I can't see that really working well when you're trying to do it with like, you know, Steam OS as well. And like, the official line is it's your Steam library anywhere. Once you've logged into the Steam Deck, your entire Steam library shows up just like any other PC. You'll be able to find your collections and favorites exactly where you left them. I am like 65% sure that's going to be a fucking lie. <laughs> well, okay. Yeah. Just thinking about the whole, like, if you wanted to fix your Steam library from, like, you know, having to install a third-party plugin, there's no, well, there's no easy way to really, like, uh, you know, have you ever used a touch input to try and, like, copy and paste files or do all the stuff that you just, mm, like, that's instinctively know how to do on a keyboard? Like, I don't see that working as smoothly as, like, they're sort of saying. Like, I think... AAA and sort of more modern games that have like all the input and that built into them, they're going to work fine. But like Steam Controller, it feels really natural to copy, paste, and highlight text and operate a desktop type environment with the Steam Controller. The mouse pads, the bumpers on the back, the big puffy trip, the mouse pads in particular, absolutely fix that problem, I feel. So like, I, I feel like you'll, you'll be plugging in a keyboard before you plug in a, a mouse. Did that work in Windows though? Or yeah, yeah, with the Steam controller, that absolutely. You you click in the analog stick, and the little ring rosary keyboard shows up. Yeah. Other than that, you you use the mouse pad like you would a laptop mouse pad. Left click on right trigger, and and right click on left trigger. That's a little confusing, but it works with my gamer brain because I think right trigger is the shoot button I'm going to be pressing more, and left trigger is the options button to fine tune the process. But yeah, I see a lot of DNA from the Steam controller in this design, and the Steam controller was very smartly designed to make those kinds of desktop movements possible in a more consoleized environment with more consoleized hardware. This is my thinking is that like, I think it'll do well, like people will buy it and, and play it and probably 
enjoy parts of it. But I also think it has that quality to it where like, you know how when people get their, you know, little Raspberry Pi thing where, oh my God, it's got every emulator on earth and I got every game, (laughs) whatever. And then it's like, oh, you, you just play like five minutes of something and then you don't really touch it for like a full... Yeah, you don't care anymore. Yeah, I know that's what's going to happen with this. That's why I'm not getting it. <laughs> yeah, the rat. Everyone came to get a Raspberry Pi and build their own emulator. Like, I want to build an emulator, and they never touch it again. I wanted to build a cabinet myself. I think the thing about that is just that those Raspberry Pis or, or whatever. It's just like it works 95 percent of the time, and then that five percent of the time where you're just like, eh, I don't really want to have to deal with, you know, like for example, installing a BIOS or something like that. You're just like, eh. I'll do something else, you know what I mean? Whereas, like, for example, if I just, like, got a Switch and I was like, oh, I want to play a game, I just, you know, turn it on, bang, open the game, and, and then I'm in. And I think, like, they're going to have to nail that really hard with this thing. Just not saying Valve can't do it, but I'm just thinking PCs, from my experience, always have fucking problems that pop up that you've learned to sort of adapt to when you're on a desktop. Yeah. Like, I was on my yeah. PC the other day, and, like, it just it was just having a problem, I think, where it would just randomly turn off. And I'm like, what the fuck's going on? And it turned out, it was Windows Update. Awesome! Thank you! Like, it was just crashing my entire PC, and, like, it was doing a thing that was, like, uninstalling my graphics card for no reason, you know what I mean? And I'm thinking, like, with the Steam Deck, it's a cool idea, but like if it has those problems, those specific PC problems, I know. I just know it's not going to be... That's, that's probably why they're not building it on Windows. That's exactly why they're not doing that. Yeah. They're doing Linux. But with the Proton, you don't need Windows, right? Well, we'll guys? see if all games work on it. Like yeah, That is the yeah. only thing I'm skeptical about, like all games working. I'm not pre-ordering this plastic. <laughs> I'm waiting, like everything, I'm waiting to see how, how it you say you, you are pre-ordering it? No, I'm not pre-ordering Oh, I was about to say. I was like, but that's different. It's funny because I did pre-order Alex and an index, I think. No, I pre-ordered Alex, but not the index. Anyways, um, I'd be using it as an indie game machine, not an emulator machine or a AAA machine. But one thing I also want to point out is that you could use the in-home streaming feature to play uh, expensive, big-budget AAA games that won't fit on the $400, 65-gigabyte model or run natively on, on the game's little tablet-sized hardware, I am really tempted for the $400 one. Like, I can't believe that as small a size as it is, but I do think for my needs, it will meet those needs very well. I, but I will reluctantly wait and see. I wonder what hacking's going to be like on this thing. That's my question like not just sort of like hardware hacking we like you know people will you know find ways because you know i assume steam os is going to be semi-open source or something because it's you know fork from linux but like the thing i'm also thinking is like hacking in games where do you know like how about recently there was a whole thing where dark souls 3 players were like having their save data like deleted by hackers and like Hmm. i I think i remember something being where like like there was something where it was a full-blown like insecurity of the game where where like if a hacker got in they would like be able to fuck with your computer files or something someone called jc denton yeah (laughs) but like the thing i wonder is like if someone like put a virus on your steam deck what do you do then like you (laughs) (laughs) you know what i mean like just just thinking of those like pc specific things it's like how is it going to play out you install your microsoft security center updates or or oh, or the Linux no. Steam OS could be a similar dynamic to Macintosh operating systems where viruses are so rare just because there's less of a 
user base compared to McAfee the, comes pre-installed with every Steam Deck. Rest in peace to that modern crazy bastard. They finally got him. They finally caught him. McAfee comes installed, and it also includes a line of coke in the in the box, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or some like secret ARG clues to the real John McAfee. They just killed the decoy. <laughs> Did John McAfee like? blow the lid off aliens or something? What was the deal with that? He's like, last post was like super cryptic or something. He's like, they are out there to get us or something. What was that all about? Well, he he was always on the run from the law for like stealing millions of dollars of whatever country he'd be living in at the time, right? I don't exactly know the gritty details of John McAfee's story other than he was a horrible but very entertaining man who uh, lived an incredibly (laughs) esoteric, adventurous life. For people who don't know McAfee... Like, and boy, are you in like, for fun. Look up the video he did about people sending him emails about his antivirus oh, yeah, software. That. <laughs> and that's, that's how you get introduced to McAfee. When you Google search John McAfee today, the top result is a New York Post tabloid article that says John McAfee died after blowing $100 million on bizarre houses. Damn. I remember seeing a, like one of those YouTube documentary series about John McAfee and it was like it chronicled like all the stuff he did and like after he sold the McAfee antivirus he became one of those you know there is no coincidence guys like he literally became a spiritual healer yeah he he literally like he started a big yoga retreat and had all these people oh, and he no. made all these like oh, affirmation no. sayings and like after he finished that, he said, no, nah, that was all bullshit. Don't take any of it to heart. Like, oh, man. Was he trying to will a new reality into existence? Yeah, there was like, he was like, it was like a yoga retreat or something. It's like, find a thing about it. But it was like, um, it was just this really weird, like, new age, you know, quack stuff from the 90s where, like, because he had all that, like, he had billions of dollars from McAfee antivirus selling that or whatever, but also like his, you know, Money in the bank from from all that. If I had billions of dollars, and and I had nothing, no higher purpose to live for. <laughs> who knows? I might also start one of those weird new age think your way into a new reality cults. It's it almost seems like inevitable. Like there's some kind of eccentric rich person to getting into esoteric new age hippy dippy religion pipeline. All the Scientologists and how they prey on celebrities in particular. I think this is a, like when I was just Googling, I think this is a screenshot from a YouTube video, but like look at the people there where they were just like all, like very cult-like, you know what I mean? Like he was. They're all looking straight ahead in a room full of yoga mats with the sort of like pan-Asian paper wall theme around them, but the crowd certainly does not look it. They're all in their like, what would you say, 30s to 50s? Like, not exactly young whippersnappers in this picture. There's some really fucking weird yoga exercises that I think details what McAfee would come. Uh, For listeners, it's like someone spread-eagling and the other person pulling against them and, like, pulling their head towards their crotch. Like, it's just like this... This is this weird, like, I think maybe we're getting a little off topic here. This is definitely related to video games. In the background, there are more people spread eagling, like, for layers into the 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 back of the picture. It's oh, and there's Man. a timestamp on the bottom. This is from 2002. Yeah. Oh, he might not have been the famous 
picture of John McAfee in my brain I think of is that like 2007, 2008 video he made for YouTube with the models like like dripping mm-hmm. over him, like like tossing yeah. dollar bills at him. And that was a good five to six years after this. So so maybe maybe he wasn't yeah. quite that crazy, which actually speaks to just how crazy he might have become later. There's I think a lot of information there on there about him where he's just like I think he started using like like drugs that just make you super horny all the time and he like became addicted to those as well. And so like he was basically like like there were reports and stuff where like he would take his drugs and he would just like be like trying to fuck things for two days straight. Like he just No way. Cause he he does have that story about banging whales. Yeah, well, no, like, it was the kind of thing where, like, people who were around him said, like, he would, like, try to have sex with anything in the room whilst he was on this drug. Because he was probably also on coke as well, but... No one to this day knows for sure whether or not John McAfee's stories about banging whales were jokes or real. I have to get one of those body language experts to to review the footage. (laughs) Enhance the imagery. (laughs) Enhance the image. Well, there's no coincidence. Do you remember, George? No such thing as a coincidence. No such thing as a coincidence. The fact that we were watching John McAfee's video over the years means we were energetically aligned with him in those particular (laughs) moments. Maybe our collective thoughts of John McAfee being crazy metaphysically influenced John McAfee into becoming crazy. This is what the aliens are doing to us, you guys. And you can find out more about it by emailing your listener questions to dadandsonspodcast at gmail.com. Wait, wait, hold on. Someone got arrested for selling a save file? What the fuck? Yeah, I I don't know if we have time to talk about (laughs) it, but there was another case in Japan. Like, what the fuck? (laughs) Uh, Guy arrested for selling illegally modified save files of The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. The reason being is that you are very explicitly, according to Japanese law, not allowed to do that. According to American law, it's a little more wishy-washy and in a gray area, and if a fan is doing it, it's usually up to the company to enforce civil action against them, but not the police. In Japan, the police throw you in jail if you sell mods and, and, and cheats for single-player games that do not have microtransactions, that do not have any sort of economic value or or competitive value to other players playing the products. Japanese guy arrested. He made $90,000 selling this stuff. You're not allowed to do that and under the Japanese system where corporations have such great protections under the law. Game genies and game sharks and action replays were also illegal. Even game rentals were also illegal. The, the law is called Fair Competition Act, is, is what they got him with. The Unfair Competition Prevention Act, that's, that's what the law is called. Nintendo, sue this man. It was past two years what ago. What are you doing, guys? And <laughs> it's a fucking save file. And earlier in February, another fan was arrested for doing it to Pokemon. It's not my property, so I can't say anything. So it's a modified save file, so I would assume that might have, like, not necessarily exploits, but, like, files in there that were, like, cut content or something. Because I know the Breath of the Wild players, like, the really top-tier ones, they've figured out how to, like, get the, you know, bow of light or whatever. Light arrows? Well, yeah, they, they got that, and the way they got it is, like, you have to do this glitch, and then with that glitch active... You then have to beat the entire game without dying. And then when you start a new game, you just have the ball of light because you're done, you know, save file overflow or something. And like, 
basically it's really hard to do. So I'd assume if they were like trying to sell that, like I can, I can sort of, I don't know. The, the line gets crossed when you try to sell money off of it. And uh, yeah. that's that's what he ultimately, I guess, should not have done. But if he were in a different country doing it, he might not have gotten arrested by the freaking police. Whatever sort of punishment he got would have probably not been as intense as it is in Japan. Damn. Just closing that up, like, wasn't it also Rockstar did something like that? Where there was like a Rockstar trainer or a tool a couple of years ago that everyone was using to, you know, fix GTA online because it'd become like a, you know, like pay to win thing. And they had to like shut it down because people were like finding ways to just, you know, oh, fuck, fuck the um, grind. Like here's a minigun that shoots $10,000 bags of ammo. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like every time you, you get shot with this minigun, it doesn't hurt you, but like you'll get $10,000 per bullet. And the difference is it's Rockstar going after them and not the police. Hmm. Like, even though that stuff does violate a lot of, like, the EULA agreement or existing laws, it's like a civil issue, not a criminal issue. Like, you got to get sued for it. You're not going to get arrested for it. Damn. You're breaking the laws of, of the economy, not the the police, I guess, is the way the way that line's drawn. But yeah, it happens. If you make cheats for online games, especially online games that have microtransactions, the companies crack down on you. The difference in Nintendo's case with the Zelda Breath of the Wild thing is that it was a single-player game where it just seems like so much more of a victimless crime in comparison, but it's actually about protecting the intellectual copyright of the original software Nintendo made and then someone selling an unauthorized copy of it, which did one of the most important legal battles in, in the West over video games was when companies were selling uh, modified kits for, for Missile Command and Miss Pac-Man in the 80s. Yeah. It's a similar situation to that. It's someone modifying another person's product and then selling it for money. If he did it for free, he probably would be fine. But he what did was it. the result of that? It was that was I know the one you're talking about. I just can't remember what the result was. Was that they ended up settling and worked with them to right. sell so that a big chunk of the a cut of the proceeds would go to Atari. Is I think if I'm remembering the court cases correctly, and that's how. Right. That set a lot of precedent for the kind of sort of gray area that fan media exists in in the States where you're like allowed to sell fan art at a convention. But if you try to like, if you play coy with the labeling and the naming on the characters, they might be able to sue you, but they generally tolerate it. But it's still up until the point where they don't because you're technically not allowed to do that. Interesting. They just tolerate it more over here than they do in Japan, partially because the laws are also more on the corporate side in Japan too, which is funny to think. And I mean, America is so famous for being the land of the corporations, I guess. I guess Japan, you, you, you know, you're not allowed to infringe on their, their fair competition between each other, but your taxes still at least get paid and go into a healthcare system and trains that run on time. Anyways, if you would like to ask us for legal advice. Yes, yes, if you're in hot water and need someone to bail you out. Dad and Sons. Better call George. That's just the name of the Better firm. Better call George. Dad and Sons will bail you out, buddy. Mm -hmm. Send questions of your legal problems and legal advice to dadandsonspodcast gmail.com and we will answer them here on the podcast. I mean, a lot of them also come from our, our, our Patreon channel. And 
I wanted to start us off with one from Stratigineer, but I added a little bit of extra spice to it. They uh, wanted to ask if you could force one person to play one video game, who would you choose which game to play and why? However, I wanted to throw in a little modifier, a mod, an unauthorized third-party fan-made mod to this question. If we could force one historical person to play one video game, who would it be, which game, and why? How historical does it have to be? Like, yeah. They can't have been alive 100 years no, ago, like within the last 100 go, years. Go crazy with it. You, you get to zap anyone. Like, do they have to be dead? Or? No, no, anyone. Anyone who was historically significant in all of human history who might get a kick and have an interesting reaction. Okay, so my, my thinking is, if you got Roger Ebert and you taped him to a chair <laughs> and you, you you made him have to play like oh, all these... Oh, no. You're like Last of Us or something like that. Where all he's, the most you know, pretentious, oh. like prestige yeah. gaming art pieces. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so he, he no. goes, video games can never be art. And then you chuck him in front of something that's a little bit... Bioshock Infinite. <laughs> yeah, something like that. And he'll be like, just, just to see his reaction, you know, and... I don't know. That's ballsy. That's current. That's a very recent figure with a very recent death, with a controversial line of reasoning on his way out. I, I do not know if I can do something as spicy like that. I, I didn't. The thought didn't even occur to me. Well, now that the floodgates are open, you can be like, I don't know, anything really. All right, all right. Michael Jackson. Okay. Right. Yeah. And DDR. Oh my god, he would love that, I think. Can you imagine just seeing how his brain would work to adapting to yeah. DDR? It would be quite fascinating. And man, they if he showed up in the Japanese arcades, he'd get a crowd and wow. What is him in a normal space, you know, like what like is he okay with being not good at something and getting better? At like it, it'll just be it'll be interesting because I don't know the guy at all. <laughs> I just listened to his music growing up. It'll be fascinating to see something like that because ZDR is not an easy game, regardless of how easy they make it look in Japan. Jesus Christ, my God! The top floor of game centers are—they're <laughs> a gym. <laughs> yeah, you you get you you go into the music game floor, and when you ride up the escalators, you pass the wall of moist air. Yeah, <laughs> where you can tell everyone from these floors and above is more sweatier than everyone below them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right in between that moist air is the, the <laughs> fighting game. Uh, <laughs> it's like some air. people get heated. That's so where the air gets saltiest, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god we gotta go back George we have to do a, a uh, Japan cast a quarantine yeah, well, tour I'm thinking of heading over there sometime in the future so hit me up oh I'll, yeah dude <laughs> we just have a <laughs> that would be we'll, really we'll, crazy we'll, we'll <laughs> yeah. crash at Liam's and wake up his roommate and get him evicted no yeah um, yeah, yeah that's probably what's gonna happen yeah yeah <laughs> Wild and crazy American people. The police is going to come back. Come on, George, what's your, what's your answer to that mm. question? I, God, I just, oh, I've been thinking and I can't, I can't settle on just one. Like I'd, I'd want to play a lot of games with famous movie directors. Like I wonder what Stanley Kubrick would think about stuff like Metal Gear Solid and Silent Hill. 
Oh, I watched Doctor Strangelove the other day, and it's really good. Have you seen it? Not all the way through, but I know all the the, the jokes about saving oh, yeah. our precious <laughs> bodily fluids. The the whole movie is just gi- one giant punchline. I don't know if you know the final joke of the movie, but like, I can see why Hideo Kojima like, you know, was was sort of incorporating that into Peace Walker now. But it'd be awesome if that was the case that like Hideo Kojima sat down with. Stanley Kubrick and played through Metal Gear like that would be that would be a wonderful conversation man what can you imagine the let's play series that would <laughs> that would be oh. like Roger Ebert let, let's play series would be interesting because it'd just be like all those dickheads who make the dismissive critiques of game you know like the the it's like three dude bros and they're like oh, man Croc 2 sucks and like they'll just be you know riffing on it the whole time but it'll be Roger Ebert being like the story of this game is terrible. <laughs> oh, boy. I can't believe people think Bubsy 3D is real art. <laughs> oh, imagine if uh, Roger Ebert... You remember there was that Bubsy 3D game that was like a fan game that was like in on the joke? Oh. I can't what it was called. Playing Sonic Dreams <laughs> Collection with Steve Urkel. <laughs> Wait, who's Steve Urkel? The, the voice of Sonic um, from one of the old Saturday morning cartoons. All right. Wait, what? Steve Urkel was what? Steve Urkel was Sonic for a few years. No. Sonic X? Let me just verify. Not Sonic X. It was a very early 90s series. Was that Sonic the... Like the Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog? The Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog. He voiced 65 episodes. I, I can't believe how many YouTube... How much more prolific YouTube library as compared to Sonic the Hedgehog episodes. Sonic. This really? actor went way over my head. The series that ran from 1993 to 96. Wait, was that the one where they were like eco-warriors or was that the one where it was like crack cocaine? <laughs> Wait, hold up. <laughs> I remember the eco-warriors one. It's That is the series that came after this one. But excuse me, crack cocaine? What wasn't it like the, the original Sonic? It was just like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> what? This is this is the series yeah. that Doctor Robotnik saying Pingus comes from. Oh shit! Nineteen ninety. This must have just just totally flown oh, out of my head because old Sonic. Holy! I shit. only remember the Eco Warriors one because it was on like one Saturday morning when I was really young, and then like it never aired again. I think it was just like one of those. Like, Sonic as a whole is just, like, one of those properties that I think really didn't do as well overseas as it did in America. Like, because it was a character basically made to be cool in America, right? Like, it was all based in San Francisco and everything. Yeah, it's too edgy for for the Japanese. Tim Curry? Wait, Tim Curry was in there too? Hell yeah. Dude, this is the one where, like, I have more memories of YouTube poops of this show than I do of the actual show. This is the one where Dr. Robotnik says things like, Bring me one speedy pingus! Fucking Chris Summer was <laughs> Why was Chris Summer in this? What the fuck? Dude, Sonic was the hottest shit. The early to mid-90s were all about, like, like Michael Jordan... And Sonic the Hedgehog and Princess Diana and Michael Jackson. Like you, you, 
you could not avoid these characters who all of the you you have to understand starring in Sonic the Hedgehog as a guest cameo voice that was prestige back then that's what all your celebrity career track led up to in those years did, did you watch that uh, Netflix documentary High School where they talked about you know like it's like a video game documentary and I remember there was that thing where they were talking about Sonic's characters of design and and he said oh I drew three characters and I got people to pick out the one they liked the most that happened to be Sonic. I think the three there was like Robotnik, Sonic, and Tails. And I'm just like imagining the weird parallel future where Robotnik was the main character and you just imagine this fat Robotnik running really fast through all the rings. You could roll up into a ball and maybe charge <laughs> up a spin. <laughs> like I'm just imagining his little legs going, me. <laughs> I guess as he's like full, full body's just like this. It would be, I could imagine them making the same game, but the character would not have as much appeal by far. Yeah, like Sonic, Sonic's a cool dude, right? <laughs> Nothing appeals to cool 90s kids like a fat, balding robot scientist. <laughs> oh, man. The world, the world is just not kind to fat, balding robotic scientists. Congratulations, Jeff Bezos, on your recent space flight anyways. Begin Blue has our next question. Dear Dads and Sons, last week a game reviewer tweeted, I've never played a game for review on anything but the easiest difficulty, and I never will. What's your take on her reviewing philosophy? Wait. Wait, what? Why? I guess because she... Did she give a reason? Is there context? Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll look it up. I'll put that in quotes and uh, look it up while we further discuss. I feel like context is important for her to just like... yeah. I feel like that could say be like, it like that. The actual quote is not giving me a lot of results. Maybe it was paraphrased or or translated or quoted from memory. But you you've seen this stuff, right? It, it is it is the difficulty discourse, <laughs> popular, <coughs> controversial, edgy debate that every gamer has some sort of hot take on, right? Right? Right, guys. <laughs> no, you should play on the difficulty you mostly enjoy, Ian. Like, you don't have to play on even medium if you just want to have an easy time. Some people just want to chill and play games. That's okay. Some people want to feel like they're dying and they want to play on the hardest difficulty straight out in the beginning. And that's fine. Not my cup of tea, though. I- I'm looking for the quote and I still can't find it. Like, the only thing yeah. I, mean, yeah, I like don't think Akiba's trip. Exact quotes out there. Yeah, I can't find it either. Yeah, I feel yeah. like those those kind of quotes are the ones where like the insults get really riled up with like they don't yeah. like like it just it just like makes them start vibrating you know really fast <laughs> and stuff like that with a you, you know like like it's it's literally like a when people say that they should have like a trigger warning for people like that because it's just like just does something to them and their brain goes like crosswired or something because it's just like I can imagine there's probably got to be more more context to that because that that sounds like a hook you know what i mean yeah. to get people yeah. to read the next paragraph where they'll probably be saying right right <laughs> there's got to be more there there's got to be more let's let's consider that she's a reviewer too and the question also wants to know about how we feel about reviewers in particular sticking to to well, the easiest i think i've mode. said it many times <laughs> most reviewers are garbage <laughs> but <laughs> but but i don't disagree play it on whatever difficulty you want to play on yeah and i feel like if you're reviewing it though you should at least dabble in the others and make sure the buttons work and everything and 
but not go all the way through. I can understand the logic of saying difficulty doesn't matter if you're looking at the artistic subjective elements of the game, like how's the writing or, you know, like what sort of thing. But at the same time, I'm kind of like, if a game has difficulty where if you're playing on like very, very easy, there's just like no point to the gameplay at all. Mm. I can see kind of the, the discussion of like, okay, maybe Sekiro had a, difficulty option that made you one shot everything oh shit from software game my thinking is like would you lose part of the artistic merit by dumbing because because i know like with certain games the difficulty is tuned just like i'm more for those games where there's no difficulty option at all and it's like the difficulty is tuned in to be the artistic experience like the thing you're supposed to feel at those points has been tied into the gameplay like for example you know like I can think of some games, but just not the name of them, but like in certain games where it's like a first person shooter and you're like having the feeling of being overwhelmed by enemies and it just like the difficulty ramps up really quick and you're like pinned down basically. And so you have to take cover because like part of what you've been playing is that you know like, okay, I need to take cover because I'm in the red or whatever. And and so you, you, you get that feeling, but I guess like... Maybe disclose just like how much time you spent with the game. Some people disclose that. Maybe say like, hey, I played on easy. Like even with Phenotopia, they had a accessible options, right? That's what they called it. Mm. Even though I was like, oh, you press easy. It gives you certain options clicked on or off. You know, like, oh, your energy refills back quicker. Or blah, 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 blah. They, all these things are checked off if you click medium, easy, or hard. And uh, the game gets harder if you go up to too too hard. So if she clicked on easy, a lot of things would be a lot significantly easy. Like her damage won't roll off after a combo and stuff like that. I can see like it affecting her enjoyment if she doesn't like harder games. And it will change her opinion on it. But I guess disclosing might say something. But then those people who don't know that that's the type of option, then it might get muddied, I guess. Mm. You know what I mean? Like uh, if someone doesn't know, oh, it's, it's, they would have to explain, oh, this is how the game changes from medium to easy to hard. And if they don't know that, them her just saying, oh, I play on easy, you know, they'll just think, oh, she just played on easy. Yeah. You know, the thing is, people haven't said this shit for years, you know? So I'm pretty sure a lot of reviewers play on easy. She's just probably the first one to have the balls to say it. I would say one thing is that certain games, when you play them on like the harder difficulty, are worse than playing them on easy, though. Like, you know, like they're not balanced for that either. Like, like, like I was thinking of Horizon Zero. More health Zero. is not a good balance. Yeah. <clears throat> well, like Horizon Zero Dawn, if you play that on hard, it's just terrible because it's like, you know, the robots are even more bullet spongy. You know. Yeah. The hit scan yeah. weapons are even worse to deal with, and it's just like not fun. You know what I mean? And so, like, like you know what I mean? Like, like if someone, for example, played the game on the hardest difficulty and they didn't enjoy the game, is that just as valid as saying like someone who played it on easy and enjoyed, you know, a game that people generally think is bad? Like, like I- this is why reviews suck, man. This is why reviews suck. Like, they, it, like it's a rabbit hole because some people don't even finish the fucking game and they review it. The thing is, is that she had the balls to say, hey, I play on easy. 
you know, it is what it is. Like, yeah. I don't know what you, what are you supposed to get from these reviewers? You could kind of tell with certain reviewers, we're like, okay, they actually played the game. They, you can kind of like, uh, it, I remember this review, uh, Liam always tells me about for Dragon Quest Eleven, where the guy like, is like, a, it's like a love letter. Like he's gushing about it. He's definitely biased, but like he goes into detail of why he likes the game and stuff like that. I feel like that was a more informative review than a lot of the reviewers. It's like, oh, this is what you do, blah, 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 blah. You know, because at the end of the day, people are looking at the score anyway. I'm reminded of um, Game Over Greggy. I can't remember his actual name now, but like when he reviewed the- Greg Miller? Metal Gear Solid, yeah, Greg Miller, when he reviewed Metal Gear Solid HD collection. And it was like that, where he was just like, oh, the best. Like, it, it isn't like, you don't have to buy it because he loves it. Like, it's just- He's just sharing his thoughts about it. It's an opinion that he he enjoyed it. He probably has some nostalgia about playing when he was like, if George's saying he loves he loves Peace Walker or whatever, that fucking game where you, you go into a box with a little girl. Can't even crawl in Peace Walker. <laughs> that, you know, like, he could gush about it. Like, but you know he likes Metal Gear. Peace Walker's garbage. Okay. <laughs> it is him. pure garbage. It is pure garbage. <laughs> Fuck off, ban him, ban him. Um, <laughs> we're going to get yeah, my hot uh, takes about Peace Walker coming out. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's the game I, I stopped. I was like, I'm I'm not playing Metal Gear anymore. <laughs> I reviewed all the games and I was just like, I got to that Wait, one. Wait, you didn't play five? Like, I played, no, I played five. I didn't review okay, that one. Yeah, but Peace Walker, I played four and then I played Peace Walker and I was like, I'm done. <laughs> Wait, you played three or two? Oh, yeah, I played all of them. I played every Metal Gear. Right, right. Every okay. single, like from one and two on the like old emulators. I say emulators. I wish I had the original thing, but yeah. I wonder if that would change the enjoyment. Yeah. When I was in university, I saw this lot going on eBay and it was like, oh, all the original Metal Gears. I'm like, oh, yeah, sick, I'll get that. And then it was like NTSC region locked. I'm like, fuck. Uh, <laughs> it's a wasted like a hundred bucks. Yeah. Damn. Oh, shit. But yeah, reviews. Again, they a lot of reviewers probably do their own shit. Like she's probably not the first one. Yeah. I'll just say one thing. As much as like I don't care about reviews in terms of like numerical scores, I'll say that they do help a lot with like games getting sales, if that makes sense. Like, for example, I've noticed yeah. when like Umarangi generation, when that got like a you know, nine out of ten on GameSpot, it was like lots of people started taking it much more seriously then. Yeah, there's a correlation. Hmm. It was an IGN. It was GameSpot, so... I would say there's a very big correlation, even though it doesn't matter, to the numerical side of it, because some people don't yeah. read the review at all. But they'll they'll just look for the numbers, and, like, even though, like, you know, us as gamers, we go, why would you care about that? But, like, the reality is... Yeah. There's, like, people Most who people will... Do. Yeah. Who, who will, do, like, yeah. check the Metacritic or something. But yeah. that's... I think people started getting less views on their articles when they started removing... The, the numbers. Oh, it's not a real review. It's only a oh, little thing, right? You know? but, like, oh, I have to read? Oh, no. But that's the whole <laughs> trade-off. Is that the writing gets more interesting and the traditional bread and butter video game review is a fucking rat race trap of a job where you have to play a really long 80-hour game on your own time at in home a short period in of a time. short period of time to meet a deadline in like yeah. three days yeah. so that you can make something that does not capture the experience of what the super hardcore dedicated fans who played it for months are going to have. 
and they're going to think you're a casual noob nub scrub for the incredibly shitty amount of money. The freelance fee for Game Ranks when I was working for them in 2012 was $50. They're paid little to no money for the review. They are not paid by the hour to play a game that does that can take 40 hours of a work week to actually go all the way through. And then when they put it out, they're always under this rushed deadline where they have to break things down into this trying to be technical qualification where there's a number at the end. And I am all about getting rid of the number and having more interesting reviews being written in the content. I do not read reviews for consumer advice. I feel like if you want to know how a game looks and feels and plays, you can watch a YouTube video for that. But I go to reviews for interesting writing about games. I want to learn some quirky facts about the games. And maybe just beautiful writing by the author about their interpretation of the game. And you know, the Skyward Sword was actually an unappreciated gem that captures this moment in Nintendo's history. Like, that's, that's what I want out of a review. I enjoyed Outriders and that got hammered. Well, I enjoyed Lost Planet too, which was like... Oh yeah, me too. It's the best. It's it's awesome. And and it got fucking like just slaughtered. Slammed. When when it came out. And like, that's why they, I think they made Lost Planet 3 by a completely different studio. But like, Lost Planet 2 has got awesome, like all the mechs and shit towards the end. It's like, fuck yeah, this is awesome. Yeah. Co-op. That was when yeah, they added co-op, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like couch co-op where you could just split screen. Yeah, man. Fuck. Maybe the reason reviewers didn't like it as much is because they didn't have a fun friend on their couch to play it with. Maybe because it was kind of sort of a very familiar third-person shooter sort of game. And a lot of those also come out. This is the type of stuff that I would I would say if I was reviewing. Yeah. You know? I say all the bullshit information that probably most people wouldn't care about. I care about this, so I'm going to say it. Like, like, ah, I didn't have a friend. Because, like, I've played a lot of co-op games in the past couple months, and they were fun because I played it co-op. And, you know, you can say that for everything, but, like, I don't know. Like, There's certain games where co-op doesn't help. Like, I want to point out that, like, a lot of beloved legacy reviewers who clearly know how to play video games and how games are made and how to talk to people and how to talk to developers about video games have still like had these reviewing experiences that grind against the fan experience. Big example, I think is very famous is Jim Sterling not liking Breath of the Wild and Vanquish. That was... Stephanie. Stephanie Sterling. (laughs) Stephanie Sterling, Champion Regent Sterling, whatever name their brand and their product is, is associated with this product in question for. You know the ones, right? Those Vanquish and Breath of the Wild reviews got absolutely shat on, and I absolutely believe that it was coming from a place of having to rush through a game that doesn't naturally fit the reviewer's preferences under the kind of time pressure and fan pressure that's just not conducive to an environment of getting the appeal of it. Having to write a review for money is going to mean that you're going to be engaged with this rat race of doing it as fast as possible. and Because if you don't have it out at that Perfect time. I would say that, like, it's not just traditional press. Like, you know how you've got, like, people like Donkey or, you know, those sort of gamer critics mm. now where they're like, I'm not a journalist, but then they, like... But then they make reviews. Well, they make reviews and consumer yeah. advice and they talk about trend. Like, basically, they do the same thing. And some of their reviews are basically sometimes singing to the choir, eh? Like, where they're pretty clearly, like, going along with whatever the the meme is at the point. Like, I remember um, there were, like, a lot of reviews where you can see people who are like 
like like ukulele, I haven't played it, but I've heard it's like a mixed bag. But you can see some people who are giving it even more of like a slamming, like, you know, criticism because they just, you know, they didn't like that John John was removed or something like that. And it's like, it's pretty clear when you like read through the article because they're, they're being things like, fuck John Tron. Yeah, fuck, fuck John Tron. John Tron. Yeah. <laughs> I almost oh, going to it was a hat in shit. time. That was the game, right? Where where they took out John Tron? No, Hand time got good reviews. But they took out John Tron's voice lines. No, ukulele was the one. Uk- okay, was that the one? It's ukulele. I yeah. did because he like banjo kazooie, and it's made by the same cutesy people, blah, indie blah, 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 blah. bouncy platformer. Yeah, yeah. And then he like you know came out as a white nationalist or something, and or, or just dumb. I don't know. No, no. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, if you go and re re listen uh, to what he was saying, he was saying like, yeah, you can you can you can search it up. <laughs> it's there. Saying things that were like the, the you, FBI crime statistics, I, right? It's IQ and what's the <laughs> poor blacks commit more crimes than something I don't know, whatever. But it's just Douglasly bullshit from. Oh, right, you know, right. yeah, yeah. Gotta love that guy. Only the reason I even got into the YouTube space. <laughs> really? <laughs> no, well, no, him, Gerard. I watched a lot of those uh, normal boots guys. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were gonna say like you had a a commentary channel where you're like playing Overwatch and you'd be like, so there's this guy John Trump. <laughs> no, <laughs> well, no, 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 no. <laughs> I don't jump on the bandwagons. I've never been. That's never been my speed. <laughs> I'm not leafy or any of those fucking. Uh, I was talking with a friend where we were like planning the launch for Switch for Umarangi Generation and um, you know we were going through like gaming channels that were like Nintendo focused and yeah. you know we went to Normal Boots and we just like went through and like oh yeah that's that person they got kicked out for this and Pro Jared showed his cock to miners uh, you know this person <laughs> here like left and, and then oh, you go to like man. the Normal Boots site and it's just a t-shirt store now because it's like they're just, just trying to get rid of any connection to, to stuff like that it's nuts man you like you go to these i remember when we uh me and george went to like one of the first conventions and stuff like that and you meet everyone and then like george can tell you i was just like man this is fucking high school man bunch of like Clicks. there's some cool people but there's also some weirdos you yeah, know it's clicky and and then egos. this shit comes out and you're just like i fucking because <laughs> of the egos like I've I've definitely experienced the environment myself where you're just surrounded by yes men all the time, and like friends who treat you differently than other friends. Yes, like because of right. how big your subscriber cock is, and I think that's the high school metaphor. Like, oh, the the prettiest, most popular football player at the cafeteria gets to have all the people sitting around them, and. You know, the lonelier YouTubers with less subscribers are not allowed to have as many friends. A lonely like 15,000. Oh, no. <laughs> Those are the days. Those are the days. I was just like, man, this is not, this is not my cup of tea. <laughs> I, yeah. I did YouTube animation before doing games and like... Same, oh, same, really? Yeah, same kind of thing where like basically... Most YouTube animators come from Newgrounds, right? Which is really uh, high school, like really pathetic when you start to like look at the relationships where like basically there's like this weird cult of like, like for some reason people still had this huge attachment to like Ego Raptor, even though he'd never like, like he'd moved on to Game Grumps by then and yeah, basically had given up. But there was like this whole thing where they were really funny. 
Well, back at, okay, when I was 15, I thought yeah. Metal Gear Awesome was the funniest thing on earth. It's but like, really funny. You know, there was just this thing I remember when I was like doing YouTube animation that there was like a lot of people who were trying to like become Oni NG or Psychic Pebbles friends. And, and it was like this really weird thing where they were like, who can be the most like edgy in their, you know, like cartoons? Like, I'm going to make a cartoon about uh, like Vegeta getting raped or something. Like, just like weird. Yeah. You, you know, yeah. very, very like 10 year ago humor, but like, it's funny. I was reflecting on this the other day. I remember someone who was like sort of not in the same circle as me, but like probably one over, like you sort of had friends that talked to him. Yeah. He ended up being someone who worked with Butch Hartman on that Noog Network scam, if you're familiar with that. No. Oh, oh okay. So like the guy who made F- fairly, fairly odd parents, parents he like, oh. like he made all these Kickstarter scams and like got... There's, there's like a whole there's a whole lexicon of like basically he like got caught stealing people's art or tracing people's art and he's really really mean to fans too and in a lot mm. of interviews. no I made your childhood though George <laughs> like <laughs> such a smug prick but yeah it was really weird because like like I think it's it's probably similar to the kind of thing you were talking about where it was this very high schooly dynamic where. Yeah. Everyone wanted to be the the cool, funny kid, and it's like you're twenty now, aren't you? Like, what are you doing? Because <laughs> your ego and your confidence yeah. is yeah. directly rewarded by the social environment you're in front of. Hmm. And the saddest thing is that I really miss it. I really miss my cons. Yeah. I really miss my con friends. Even though he misses people, I miss people. I'm lonely. I don't miss the bullshit yeah. because my circle of con friends did. Even I cannot escape one of those personalities on the list that became a huge main character of Twitter for a couple days over the years. Like, even as hard as I try to keep things wholesome and, and pure, like, like even my friend group ended up attracting one of those types at the cons. But it's still so much better than living through the pandemic, for me at least. And I realize that that's also discounting a lot of other perspectives in the process. But from that side of things, I do miss hanging out with the big egos at the big cons. That's why people are in shitty friend relationships is because they want someone there. Be careful, George. (laughs) Be careful. Yeah, that's why. That's exactly why. You're like, why are you friends with that guy? I want friends. Yeah, but it's hard to find good friends. Got to get your yeah. parasocial relationship game up, you know? Come on, those are rookie yes. numbers. Come on, get them going. Yes. See, we need we need to have him more on the podcast. More positivity for George. A real relationship stimulates all sorts of parts of your brain. You can that, get in a scandal, George. Come on. The parasocial relationship <laughs> won't. I'm absolutely willing to run the risk just to hang out with people again. Ah. Uh, Humans are not meant to be this isolated and alone as I've been over the past year, and it's driven me crazy. It's trying to, trying to load up the meetup app, man. It's trying to load up the but meetup app. But it doesn't app. even seem like getting the motivation to start seems worth it, especially when, like, let's say you've gone through some bad relationships in recent years, and that's it. I, oh, I, uh, uh, I join a D&D group, but like at someone's house. Just George, just move to Australia for twelve months. I mean, we get to go outside. So when I have to pay income tax, people there are angry and friendly. How the fuck are you going, George? <laughs> <laughs> Oi, super bunny hop! <laughs> I don't know if I should be scared or like welcomed and invited in. 
Yeah, yeah, dude. Where the fuck am dude. I? I don't know. Right. Like, did you have to add the F to it? Every- are you going to follow me there? Or are you just want to having a friendly conversation? I think it's just the, like, the new effect when you're just, you go out of the U.S., it just always seems better. <laughs> it's just probably because it's it fresh is. and new or whatever. But like every time where I go somewhere. Something that is actually starting to happen over here in like Australia and New Zealand is actually there's like a lot of video game like cons and stuff starting to get a lot more popular because people can actually run them. And like one of the things I've sort of heard from the New Zealand scene of games at the moment is that Valve are thinking of setting up a little studio down in New Zealand. Because hmm. Gabe Newell's been there for like, what, a year now? Because he somehow was in New Zealand at the time of the pandemic, so he couldn't move back over. <laughs> and he was just enjoying New Zealand so much. He's like, oh, we should get a little little crew happening here. And like, he, he's just like on a boat or something. But like, wow. I think it'd be this really interesting thing if people started coming to Australia or New Zealand for these like packs and stuff like that. Because, you know, maybe it's the kind of thing where if you've got your vaccine you're allowed to fly over i mean it'd probably be pretty expensive but i mean if you're really craving it it's probably there i'm definitely craving i'm already vaccinated i'm ready to go ready to go george or when they open up japan and china have you been reading about the olympics news no no yeah it's like people infected already isn't it only the athletes were allowed to come in the audience is all japan only and they won't let them bring drinks in to decrease the spread of fluids around. Yeah, maybe I should be careful with that Delta running around. I don't need to get Delta or whatever the fuck No, that no, is. man. I fly Nippon Airways. No, it's a Delta Strad. Can you imagine what those events are going to be like at the Olympics where it's like, okay, now it's time for Japan versus America in baseball. It's like the crowd is like completely Ooh. silent when, when America does anything. Yeah. Just fucking like before the guy hits the ball in golf, it's just everyone's just like quiet. That was a roller coaster. That was our roller coaster ride through uh, Wait, episode. We answered one question. What? No, we didn't. We answered three. Did we? Yeah. No, we didn't answer that second oh. one. Oh my God, you're right. How did I miss that? Holy shit. Because it's oh, yeah. a good one. I would wingy. want to do this one. Well, let's do it then. Wingy Shaft slaps his card on the table in front of a desk in front of the three of us and says, things you can say about a game, but not your spouse. All right. I would say, yeah, you're about a seven out of 10. Ooh. Wow. <laughs> you get fucking smashed for that one. Like, oh, you really? Dead. <laughs> You're sleeping outside. What's the warranty (laughs) policy here? Can we send it back for a replacement or repair at the factory? Mm. (laughs) Lazy fucking developers really screwed up the product on this one, huh? Say that to your father-in-law. Let's see. (laughs) Mediocre at best. (laughs) My brain is going places right now. I really preferred the earlier generation models when they colored them oh, black. Oh, fucking hell. Uh, <laughs> what? No, nothing. I don't know. Anyways, what do you guys got? <laughs> There's fucking pro Jared over here. Jesus Christ. <laughs> also, that's... It, it would that's have to be like, pro Jared, this bad. doesn't look as good as I remember. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the remaster. It looks as good as you remember, not as good as it did. 
the enhanced version is has missing features. No, that doesn't. What would that be? No. Um, you can't really say that like video games used to be more energetic, though. Like video games definitely seem to have gotten like faster and speedier. They they age in reverse. I don't know if that's something that's like qualifying as jokes about aging. Let's see what the internet says. I'm I'm gonna scroll through the outline and do this some callbacks. One's pretty easy to beat. <gasps> yeah. Oh god. <laughs> Check out what my wife got for me. <laughs> <Baby>. <laughs> So that's something you can say about a video game, but not to your wife herself. My friend got his new. I got mine used for cheaper. <laughs> In Japan, <laughs> law enforcement explicitly forbids providing services for commercial money. But in the West, it's more of a legally gray area. Wait, wait, what? It's, it's about prostitution. Oh, okay. Now, you can't that do a- that with your spouse, but sounds in the legalese of the video game laws are similar and it's a difference between Japan and the way. Anyways. I found a thing and I think it was, I, I was like, is this video game related? I couldn't figure it out, but it's it's on a Kingdom Hearts forum and it was like, I think they're grabbing quotes from the game and it's like, wow, you can fit four in here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, can I, I install a different <laughs> operating system than the one it came with? <laughs> Boom! Headshot! Oh, <laughs> no, that's, that's it. We should stop. <laughs> We should stop. Yeah, okay. I, we all warned you. This is what happens when Liam's not on the episodes. You know, it's just disgusting. we all have our Twitter yeah. scandals. <laughs> <laughs> like, George, you've done it. You finally done it. Okay, there'll be an article about you in I don't know PC Gamer or something being like disgraced YouTube star, once a good critic. You know, implying that there are any other kind of YouTube stars. I finally will have made it as my natural destiny as a YouTuber gets fulfilled. Thank you so much for showing up, Veselikov. Or is that is that what we should still be calling you? Or I uh, should we still be calling you Super Bunny Hop? No, no, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's fine. You can find me on Twitter at, at Veselikov, or you can follow my game at Umarangi Game. You can probably go buy it uh, at this point. Go buy it. Or should have, Matt, no, mm-hmm. get on PC or Switch. <laughs> With the, the gyro aiming. I feel like that's that's worth a mention. It's, it's obviously got less impressive visuals, or you can see me, uh, you can probably get it on the Steam Deck when that comes out, and it probably won't work. Gyro but, aiming you know. on the Steam Deck? When are you going to implement that one? Come on. <laughs> We're going to go for another 20 minutes and have to talk about gyro programming, because it's really hard. It's like... There's like a million oh, different yeah. like libraries and it's like they never all work. And isn't uh, one of the problems being able to deduce what is like the user's natural resting position and, and when to recalibrate it and when to not? Well, I don't mind about that stuff because I always just start from whatever their hand position is, is I just calculate to zero, zero. But like the big thing I kind of think is like there's all these different things if you're trying to do gyro on PC because all the controllers have a different way of calculating gyros. Like one controller's way of calculating gyros might be another controller's version of its analog trigger. Like the output signal will be its analog, not its gyro. And it's like, you know, we're going to keep talking for ages if we have to talk about mm. this. But yeah, 
And um, unfortunately, we got to go. So thank you again so much for coming out. Super duper fun every single time. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thanks to uh, the, the folks at Standard TV for editing. Thanks to Henry Ng for the background in the video animation. Thanks to Ryan Lafford for our theme song. And have a wonderful, darn diddly daddest week. It's not a coincidence that you're listening to the end of this podcast. You were energetically aligned with all of us for two and a half hours, and I hope you somehow managed to manifest a more positive reality out of it. <laughs>